For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. I don't know. They tell me that, you know, joyriding and ramming guard cars has always been there, particularly in uh, city areas. We've had it here on Leaside, but nothing like you see now because of social media and people filming activity on their mobile phones. But the ones from Cherry Orchard, which is an area in southwest Dublin in, in Ballyfermot, a particularly problematic area of uh, the capital by all accounts. Uh, the thugs uh, involved in that, and there were many, really and truly very many, uh, at least 100, perhaps more. Uh, they were as young as 13, um, and uh, they were part, they're part of gangs that just go about. I don't know what the story, I don't know whether they go to school or whether they work or what they're involved in. I mean, they're just yobs. They could be, some of them could be low-life drug dealers for all I know because, um, you know, the higher echelons of the uh, drug fraternity now are using younger and younger people. I mean, they don't necessarily look 13, but who does anymore? They're, they're so tall. Uh, they could pass for older, but apparently it's how they get their thrills. So throw rammers in the slammers is the front page of the Mirror today. Ram thugs just 18 is the story making this morning sun. Uh, the Mirror this morning talks of it as well. Ram thugs uh, to be read the riot act is the story in this morning star. What they mean by read the riot act is that uh, Drew Harris says that he has absolutely no problem whatsoever using the riot squad and they will be brought in and it will be ramped up following the shocking incidents of patrol car being rammed by joyriders, cheered on by crowds and filmed by everybody else like as if it's Mardi Gras. Uh, it's a real horror story but maybe it just shines a light on, uh, you know, some activity that's going on. Clearly not everybody's involved in that kind of activity, but one thing's for sure, it is only getting worse. And of course, the general public, by and large, just want them all rounded up and uh, thrown in the slammer and manners put on them. See if they can turn their lives around. Who knows? In other, mo- in other news then, for everybody who's trying to turn their own lives around or at least keep the lights on and the heat on and food on the table, there's a story kind of half buried away inside in the Irish Times that needs mentioning this morning. Well, we talk about the doom and gloom and I understand, uh, you know, that the winter's going to be tough. But uh, the Times this morning, Harry McGee is saying that the energy regulator has said that no household will be disconnected for not paying their energy bills during the winter months. So that would be from December uh, to February. Now, don't know what will happen in October or November, but certainly December through to the end of February. So that should come, as hope, as some relief to people who are worried about that, because we spoke about it earlier in the week. And we're talking with Mabs who were telling me that, you know, they, they deal with people whose energy supplies are cut off. So there must be special measures now being put in place. There are special measures to protect vulnerable households during the winter. So that might come as some consolation that at least if, until, you know, if you can get through, God knows, October and November, you won't be cut off between December January and February, the bill will still have to be paid, incidentally, and we're now 5,000 a year worse off, 5,000 euro worse off, according to the mail today. They break it down, actually, into quite a lot of detail in the papers today. So families face paying more than five grand extra a year. You got to add up grocery bills, rising mortgage rates, higher energy costs, fuel bills at the, at the petrol pump. You add it all together. That's what you're looking at, they're saying, because they look at the basic items that are, you know, bearing the brunt of uh, price hikes. And of course, Mortgages is one of them with the uh, increase now, the average rate of uh, mortgages going up because of the, I think it was about three quarters, one percent, I think. Um, anyway, an extra 1,368 euro on an average mortgage. This would be a 300,000, 300, year mortgage. Then you got an extra nearly 800 euro on supermarket bills a year. Then you got energy bills, which would be at least an extra, not a cost of, but an extra 2,200 a year. Then you got diesel or petrol costs, which would be at least an extra on top of what you're normally paying, 
500 a year and lots more besides. So they're looking at, um, at that story in the mirror today where they just zone in particularly on, on groceries because it's an extra 800 just to buy what you've been buying already on a normal basis. Now, the front of the Echo this morning talks a bit from it uh, as, a, as a budget, you know, uh, maybe it's a preamble to the budget and what will happen on Tuesday, but they're talking to the Cork Business Association from a retailer and business perspective. And the CBA is saying that all of their members now are, are at battle stations and they need government support to ride out the storm. So that's interesting because yesterday we had the Vintners on the air saying that they need government support. They need some sort of payments, um, not just for the business, but also for their employees. And now retailers are coming out and saying likewise, because they're looking at groceries, according to the CBA, up 11% compared to the same period last year. And you're looking at certain items then, you know, a lot of the staples, which would be, uh, you know, certainly your dairy products and things like that, and meat, up by, say, 40%. Interestingly, in the UK, I'm hearing this morning, not only are they limiting the amount of money that people will spend on their energy bills in the UK, this is domestic customers to £2,500, and then like, apparently they get six. One hundred pound payments, so I think they're gonna their bills will be capped at two thousand um, across the winter. Two thousand is all they'll pay per year for the next two years, and they've announced this morning now that businesses in the UK will get a fifty percent uh, refund, a fifty percent refund on all of their energy costs. Isn't that extraordinary? I mean, isn't that the kind of message that we would want from the Irish government? And not today, but last week or, or 10 days ago, and we still don't have it. So they really are nailing it down in the UK, not just for domestic customers, because um, businesses needed it as well. And many will now survive, because whatever their bill is, they'll only have to pay 50% of it. Government pays the rest. And of course, it certainly makes the energy providers much more wealthy. But what are you going to do? What can you do about that in the short term? Windfall tax the heck out of them, I suppose. And then the Irish Times also has a story as people are desperate to try and find somewhere to buy or indeed, more to the point with this article, somewhere to rent. Because according to the um, IPAV, which is the organization, the Professional Auctioneering and Valuers Organization or Association, looks after uh, you know people uh, involved in you know, rental properties and things like that, they're saying that 50% now, half of all houses and apartments currently for sale in this country now are landlords fleeing the private rental market. Uh, they're getting out. So 50% of everything that's for sale, whether it's a house or an apartment, currently for sale around Ireland, is owned by a landlord who's getting out. And of course, that is one of the reasons why people are finding it harder and harder and harder to find somewhere to rent. Uh, meanwhile, people are finding it harder and harder to get back after long COVID. And the figure in the Echo this morning, which was told to a dog committee, is 21,000 people in the country are still out of work because of long COVID. And undoubtedly, I've spoken to people on air going through all of the different issues involving long COVID in the past. Uh, papers also this morning from the courts talk, and we've spoken a lot in the past about coercive control. Uh, this is to do with a 69-year-old man. Uh, he, he was married, not, not together with the wife anymore. He's out of the country and never coming back. But apparently he spied on his wife and his teenage daughters during the breakup of the marriage. And what did he go and do? Well, he installed surveillance cameras in the kitchen and he also installed surveillance cameras in his wife's bedroom. This was an in-camera hearing, pardon the pun, at the Cork District Court yesterday. They're divorced now. Your man's living out in another country. Uh, His ex-wife said that he exercised coercive control and spied on the family. Now, he did plead guilty to breaching a protection order, breaching a barring order and stuff like that, but he's not coming back. They're now divorced. She said, 
said that she uh, found electric electronic camera equipment in the kitchen, which made herself and her children feel intimidated. And it would. Uh, she was uh, she was uh, the worker, and he was the stay at home parent apparently. Uh, but she was so wrecked in the head uh, by all of this that it made it very difficult for her to even get up out of bed in the morning and go to work. Apparently, now there were fines uh, handed down to him in the court yesterday uh, for breaches of domestic orders. Uh, she imposed the judge imposed fines of five hundred euro and four hundred euro. He's out of the country, and he says he ain't coming back. More and more parents are complaining. Apparently, the Department of Education over sex education in schools. It's quite interesting because those that are complaining say that the sex education. Many are saying it shouldn't be there in the first place. Others saying that it's overly sexualized, and more people are saying that people's morals are at an all time low. I don't know about that though. I think if you can introduce sex education to children at a reasonably young age, it will prepare them then and answer many of the questions that a lot of us struggled with, to be honest, going through puberty and into our teens. I mean, we were kind of half making it up and had half no idea what it was all about. It would be good, wouldn't it? I mean, forearmed or forewarned is forearmed, as the fellow says. But there's one particular um, complaint was from a school teacher who wrote to say that many parents were concerned about the inclusion of topics such as cross-dressing, transgenderism, and more issues like that on the curriculum curriculum for children of a young age. My heart was breaking yesterday reading a story um, in the Irish Independent Online. It makes the papers today. Story of Shauna O'Neill from uh, Dublin. Uh, her son died. Little baby Kevin died seven days after his birth in 2019. In fact, there's a lovely photograph of Shauna and Kevin, mam and dad, to baby Kevin who died in the Independent today, holding a lovely little photograph of the lad. But her newborn baby uh, suffered a fatal brain injury around the time of his birth and, and he passed away. Uh, but she's very critical of the National Maternity Hospital. She was told to bring his body out the back door, bring his body out the staff entrance. Uh, baby Kevin, she says, was not afforded the same dignity as other healthy babies because the healthy babies and those that lived went out through the front door. Oh, my God. How could you drop the ball like that? It also begs the question, how in the name of God could Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield drop the ball like they did? Now, I have no axe to grind with them whatsoever. They are saying that that they were there working and that they were um, part of the media and that the media were escorted through to pass around the cordon of the Queen's casket but they weren't in the same sort of lineup as members of the public, some of you whom were queued 10 or 15 hours or perhaps longer. And this story just isn't going away. Like the mail this morning says, TV's Holly is left devastated by queue jumping backlash. And there is a photograph of members of whatever, the media, I guess, walking along through a grass area, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby amongst them. And over a barricade railing, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in a standstill queue. If they had just looked right, surely be to God they would have seen all those people and said, hang on a second, this is weird. We shouldn't be doing this. Um, This is just not making sense. But I suppose... Maybe we all have brain freeze moments like that. But anyway, uh, many of the papers are continuing to talk about this because Holly Willoughby said last night said last night to be in crisis talks with ITV over her and Philip Schofield's royal coffin row. And there is a fear now that she uh, may even quit the show because of the huge backlash. I believe they tried uh, at some stage... Uh, to try and put things right, uh, Philip and Holly, on yesterday's edition of This Morning, trying to explain their reasons for the queue jumping. 
bear in mind, nobody likes queue jumpers. But, but were they? Here's what they had to say. Like hundreds of accredited broadcasters and journalists, we were given official permission to access the hall. It was strictly for the purpose of reporting on the event for millions of people in the UK who haven't been able to visit Westminster in person. The rules were that we would be quickly escorted around the edges to a platform at the back. In contrast, those paying respects walked along a carpeted area beside the coffin and were given time to pause. None of the broadcasters and journalists there took anyone's place in the queue and no one filed past the Queen. We, of course, respected those rules. However, we realised that it may have looked like something else and therefore totally understand the reaction. Please know that we would never jump a queue. Okay, so is that a recorded statement? That's very different to addressing it live on camera on the show, which is actually what they should have done. I'm not so sure that a recorded statement actually helps a pre-recorded piece like that, but the story ain't gone away. Um, One other thing for you before I love you and leave you in the papers now, and I'll come back to some more across the morning. Uh, Coffee Boss, above, who has a coffee cafe and a gift shop in Dulik in County Meath, has put up a banned sign. What's she banning? She's banning women from coming in, and the article is about women in pyjamas coming in and having coffee in their jammers. So the coffee shop owner has introduced a dress code. Two women came in for breakfast wearing pyjamas into the cafe. Uh, they came in at nine o'clock for breast, break, breakfast. First of all, they had a stroll around the gift shop wearing fleece, pyjamas, slippers and dressing gowns. Um, and uh, they were on the holidays, apparently, and they were very pleasant and all that. So she says, I'm just not having it. I've received both support and backlash online because of it. So I banned it from the coffee shop. I'd love to know your thoughts on this with regards to pyjamas and slippers and dressing gowns. Is it um, normal, acceptable attire? Uh, is it is it self-expression? Is it anybody's business what anybody wears? Or do they just belong in the bedroom or loafing around your own house? Should you be able to go to dinner, breakfast, lunch, few pints, couple of G&Ts, a mocktail or a cocktail or an espresso martini in your jammers? Text 0868104106. Cork's number one talk show. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Um, just a quick one, actually, because I love the fact that everybody's on the ball when it comes to traffic updates. My apologies to Morris. I kept him a little while. He joins me by phone. Morris, good morning. It's an Arctic truck jammed, is it? Uh, hi, Neil Morris. This is Morris Daly. Fair play to you, Morris. I go, I, go, I go down every morning there to the little shop in about half seven, and I was coming, I walked down, walk up, because I'd be up at six in the morning. And when I was coming back up, of course, was it half eight? Um, there was a big attic truck which came down Richmond Hill. Down? A 40 foot, uh, yeah, a 40 foot trailer. And he had a big deal on us. And I said to him, says I, come here, says I, you'll never go, you'll, you, 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 you can't get up now, says I. And um, he went out to the very bottom of Richmond Hill. He said, I'll, 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 I'll try to go, to go around the tunnel. He said, it's hand, says I, because next thing he got jammed in the house across the road. Actually jammed and against then, the wall of it. Yeah, and the, 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 back, the back of the trailer then is jammed behind another one, the, the other house as you come down. That's, the back it, well, that's one way. You can only go up, isn't it? Yeah, no, no. You you, you, you can go up in traffic, like, but it's small town. But there's a sign up the top of the Richmond Hill saying no heavy vehicles going on uh, Richmond Hill. And now the traffic is cut from coming from uh, 96 FM, you know that way? I do, because that's and why I know that hill. I drove it many, yeah, many years. And then, uh, then there's traffic coming from Blackpool. They're cut as well because they can't turn up uh, by 96 FM. Is it still and stuck? Then, 
Oh, just stop here. He came back because the wheels were spinning to the 40-foot trailer, right? Oh, for God's sake. How will they I, move I, it, like? How would you move that, I wonder? Oh, you may know the lads were doing the footpaths there, but so you know they left them some place there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and uh... Oh, you he, can, he, yeah, yeah, you can go up and down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's a dim boy in front of certain buildings, there's more traffic coming down there. And, and and they're heading for Richmond Hill, but they're going out about the Richmond Hill then, and they're all getting jammed, blowing the can back because of the, all the all the chaos. Oh my God! Some people and just would, take I, I, some people just take try, a chance, and it doesn't I always try, work. Yeah, out. but that's the second time. You know, there was last year there, there was a truck went down there again, a big uh, staff truck, and. And this man, the old, like, he, he knew damn well that he couldn't turn, take, you can't take that turn around no, by the bottom no, of the no, 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 I don't but know how they move. I'm going to say a 40-foot trailer. Well, let people See, be aware. Let yeah, the trailer will get caught behind, and then the cab, the cab is up against the wall, at, uh, the cable in the wall. Okay, maybe there's some people over. listening in that particular area of Richmond Hill. They might tell me if it's improved or if it's still the same. It's no, still. No, I tell you, the lads, the lads, they, they, they have a digger there now, and all the cows have to be shifted now and put the roaches on the substance buildings. God, and oh the digger has to go and pull them back. Oh my God. Yes. I do, I do, I do. Cheers, Morris. Thanks for the update. Watch out, lads, if you're in that area. There will be delays, assuming that nothing's changed since Morris saw it last. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. And many people are. A couple of topics I've been dealing with over the past few days. One is the fact that the Catholic Church is starting to move um, and preparations changing the way they have Holy Communion and Confirmation. And they're going to take it out of the classroom, uh, putting more pressure, they're saying, on families to prepare their children for the sacraments themselves. Now, this is a Dublin story where they're saying the preparation for Holy Communion and confirmation will come out of the classroom. Uh, you'd have to register directly uh, with the parish. You'd have to register as opposed to it being assumed if you wanted your children to receive the sacraments and stuff like that. So that that's an interesting change where they're moving the you know the Holy Communion and confirmation preparation out of the schools. We were also talking on the air recently about two Cork primary schools. This would be St. Brendan's Girls School and St. Mark's National School, both up in the Glen, where they met with many of the parents at those two primary schools because they want to find out if parents would be up for a change uh, from being uh, not just separate Catholic schools, but to multi-denominational schools instead. Now, I'm told that not all of the parents are are happy with that, and I see by texts that... uh, uh, well, just a few of them ahead of some conversations on it. Jasmine says, I think religion should be a choice in school as it is really in the world a choice. So it should be the same in school. I was forced to go to mass in secondary school, even though I wasn't in the slightest bit religious. It's wrong on all kinds of levels. And Merle says it's about time that religion was taken out. Religion should be nowhere near education. The Catholic Church has done enough harm in this country. Mind you, I did see a text from David who said there probably wouldn't be an education system if not for the church in this country, the Catholic Church. He says, I'd like to know what percentage of school buildings in this country were owned and are still owned by the church. I totally agree there should be a choice, uh, but I, for one, want Catholic schools uh, to teach religion and many people wouldn't have been educated without the Catholic Church. Now, with regards to those two meetings, uh, Ken O'Flynn's been talking, Councillor Ken O'Flynn has been talking to many of the parents because it's his, it's his patch, it's his parish on the north side, if you like, from the point of view of being a representative councillor. He joins me by phone. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I think, I think you also attempted to go to the meetings. Is that right? 
I did. I arrived at, uh, you know, like this started back last Wednesday. I think there was a note sent home. Um, I think the faculty only found out on Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, there was a note sent home to parents um, on Thursday um, and advising them, please be uh, available for a meeting at St. Brendan's or St. Mark's and one was at 9.30 and the other one was at 11 o'clock. That's right. So there was very short notice, I suppose, really, when it, when it came to this. Uh, and that had nothing to do with the faculty or the principal. I think that more had to do with the Department of Education. Yeah, let me just say at this point, actually, that Norma Foley has come up with some pilot areas to see if this would work to make what were Catholic multi-denominational uh, and those two schools in that area is one of the pilot areas go ahead well that's right and I believe the Department of Education has um, wants to provide 400 Catholic schools um, to make them uh, to a multi-denomination or MTB school 400 across uh, the country that's, okay. their, that's, their, that's their plan by 2030 but when you went could you get in I was I was admitted in. I spoke to one or two members of the faculty and quite a few of the parents. I had been asked to go because a number of parents couldn't take the time off work um, and couldn't get away and asked me would I go as our public rep and I said yes. Um, and I was then met by a very nice lady from the Department of Education to tell me that I, I, I wasn't welcome there. Um, but in the nicest way, I would say that. Why weren't you um, welcome? I wasn't welcome because I wasn't a parent. They did said, you say you were representing parents who were working I, for a living? I, I, I did a course and I handed up my business cards and they said, look, I said, if, I'd be grateful if you'd either drop me an email or give me the slides that you're presenting today so I can go back to parents and talk to them as well. Uh, um, but I'm still waiting for that communication. There's been no communication. Do you not find that point. bizarre that you weren't allowed to stay? Well, it's the first, it's the first public meeting um, from any department that I've dealt with and I've dealt with the Department of Environment the Department of Housing Department of Education on separate occasions as well um, where I wasn't where I wasn't uh, allowed to attend I think it's my first meeting I think it's the first thing I was ever thrown out of um, so, yeah, so because if it's supposed to be a consultation and you're not a left in as a public rep yeah. uh, is there something to hide? Well, look, uh, look. That's that's a question you'll have to ask the department. Um, from talking to parents that left the meeting afterwards, um, they seemed more confused and more kind of. Um, they they were under the impression that there was going to be a full conversation of what they'd like and there'd be a vote or something like that or some sort of consultation. It was a series of slides and telling them this is what's happening and this is what's going to happen. So what is um, happening? Uh, these would have been Catholic schools with a Catholic ethos and some kind of religious education from a Catholic perspective. The plan is to do what? The plan is to move them either to an ETB school or an Educate Together. So that would be taking out the, the church teachings. Now, I suppose the big concern about the parents there is communion and confirmation. The other side of it is that many parents have said to me, said, look, Ken, we chose this particular school. One could be for location, two could be for, for whatever other reasons, that it's handy to grandparents, etc. But a lot of parents said to me, we chose the school because it is a Catholic school and we want our children to be educated in the Catholic faith. And I know people are going to come on and say, you know, that's a thing of the past, but we have to recognise that in the census, in the most recent census... Just move around, I, Ken, because it's, uh, it's starting to break up for me. It's very much... Sorry, sorry about that, Jane. Um, in the most recent census, I think um, almost 74% of the country identifies itself as Catholic. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah a, lot of them, a lot of them be like me, kind of lazy Catholics. We tick the box, but we don't meet the criteria, you know what I mean? But anyway... But, no, but you know, what is meeting the criteria, though? You know, just because you don't go to church 
doesn't mean that you're not a Catholic. It doesn't, you know, if you're reared in a certain way and you believe a certain thing and you have your own faith with God, I think religion is, and Christianity has changed a little bit and the church is changing slowly. But look, I don't think it's a question of religion. The question is that I've entered a contract with the school for to educate my child in a certain way. And now the school, and now the Department of Education is, is, is changing that. There was no parent request, from what I understand, to, for have, to have this include. I don't believe there was a, a faculty request either, from what I, asked, from, from what I can ascertain. Uh, and this seems to be from the Department of Education down. And actually, okay. recent surveys by Catholic Ireland, an organisation has shown that 78% of uh, people who send their children to Catholic schools are very, very happy with the um, with the education that their children okay. receive. Okay. So now, the other th- side of that is there are people there are people that don't like the Catholic faith or don't want their children to be taught that, and they have the option to have their children sit out. I have a friend of mine actually; his his daughter isn't making her communion uh, this year, despite her entire class making it, and that was his their family decision, and the school is respecting that. And it yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what What is the situation, say, for instance, with these two? schools, St. Brendan's Girls School and St. Mark's National School. Do the children have to prove they're Catholic to go there? If look, it's, it's a situation that you apply, you apply for the school place the same as everyone else. You, you have to tick a box saying you're Catholic to go to those schools. And not that I'm aware of. Okay. Not so, that no, I could be I could be corrected now on that Neil, but um, but not that I'm aware. Okay, but so therefore, clearly, you're going to have people with children in those have, schools who are not Catholic. They may not even have, be Protestant. They could be Jewish. Have, they could be Hindu. They could be Muslim. You have that already, and you have that in a number of schools. I can remember myself when I went up to Christians, um, there was um, some Muslim people. Yeah. So has it, is it a case yeah. that it has just become so confusing now with so many different faiths in the classroom and many parents of different faiths saying, I don't want my children sitting on, on that one, so we want our own, that they're just saying, we're just going to pack the whole thing in now because it's a mess. The reality is, is that it's not coming from parents. Most parents, as I said, 78% of parents of our surveys are happy with Catholic school teachings. So I don't think it's coming from the parents. I think it's coming from an agenda from the Irish Times or this kind of, um, we all have to be, we all have to be good Europeans and we all have to be sensitive to everybody and anybody. We do have to be sensitive to everybody. And we can't can't be offending anybody or we can't be seen to offending other people. And I think it's coming from that sort of political correctness gone mad sort of carry on, big Alison to me. Like, you know, if you don't want your child to go to a Catholic school, there are options there for you. There are options there in this country. If you want your child to be educated in a certain way, there are options there. Mm, mm. There's also an option to have no. There's also an option to have no religious education in schools. Get on with teaching them what they need. Let their mammy or their daddy or the parish to deal with religious education. In primary schools, and there's lots of things that if I was minister for education in the morning, that I'd be changing. But I think not that something that there's no demand for. You know, there is there is obviously a demand for it. And the reality here is what parents are concerned about. You know, they're welcoming of other religions in that school. They're welcome. Other parents are welcoming of other communica- uh, communication with different, different nationalities. There's no racism in here. You know, but the reality is that if I've entered a contract with you for a particular service for my child for the next 10, 15, 20 years, I expect that contract. Yeah, to but be in, in religious education, no. I mean, for, for a career yes. path, for a happy, healthy yes. life. No, no, no. no exactly. No, no, but Neil, Neil. If I wanted my child to go to an educate together, I would have sent my child at four years old to an educate together. Yeah, but there are there if educate together options child, on the north side. There are educate together around the around the city. Of course, there are, and there are there are options for those people that don't want their children to be in a Catholic school. 
But the reality is, is that if I enter a contract with you today, and I and I employ Neil Grendeville to sing, to to play X amount of music that I particularly want, and you decide to come up, say halfway through it, and say, "No, I'm going to change the repertoire." That's not fair on parents either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot. There's a lot happening actually. In fact, the, the bishop of Cork and Ross hasn't made any comment as to whether Cork schools would do it. But in Dublin, they're taking Holy Communion and confirmation preparations out of the classroom. Um, yeah, is that another thing that you think families on Lee side would be unhappy with? That they would want well, it to continue that, traditionally that, that like was, it has that, been? That was certainly one of the concerns that I got from parents. Now, bear in mind that I, I, I represent uh, some areas of the city that are quite deprived, okay, from, uh, on the north side, let's call it spade a spade. And for, it's not an option for a Saturday or a Sunday school option for, for some parents that they can pay to have their, ch- their child tutored in catechism, for, for instance. I'm using catechism now, I know it's an old word. I know that, I, I understand. That they, I, I, know, I know that it's you a know. nuisance, I, I understand yeah. all of that. But if and, you've got a classroom with 30 kids in it and 10 of them are Catholic and 5 are Jewish and 7 are Hindu and 8 are Muslims, how do you teach them religion? Well, look, there's people, they're doing it. They're doing it up and down the country. And there's nothing wrong with learning about different religions. And, 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 and I forgot the proportion that are not religious at all. wrong for somebody, for somebody to be sitting in and listening to a religious studies. Or, you know, you can choose to ignore it, or you can go to the library, or you can, you know, we can find alternative classes, etc. as what, what's happening in schools up and down the country. But, you know, I don't think there's any harm. Um, I, I think by listening to, listening and, and hearing things, and, you know, I've been in synagogues, I've been in mosques, I'm not a Jew, and I'm not a, a Muslim, you know, I've been in Protestant, I've attended Protestant services. I'm not a Protestant. You know, you're not going to be corrupted, you know. Um, equally, I've listened to people who are atheists. And I've, I've entered debates and, and chatted with, with people. And it's fascinating. But, I understand, but at the moment, yeah, isn't you know? it true that 90% of Irish schools are deemed to be Catholic? Right? Yeah, that's correct. Believe, okay. yeah. Isn't that figure way too high when a huge proportion of the population aren't? Well, not when 84% of the population are identifying themselves. Okay, okay. And how do they, I'd love to talk with some of the parents, incidentally. How do they feel? They feel as if they're angry because they don't want it to happen. They don't feel they have uh, consultation. They haven't been asked. They've just been told. The the consultation process has been very poor. This is the first, uh, this is the start of it, I hope. Um, You know, but parents are are bewildered of where did this come from? Um, what's the idea behind this? Why were they chosen? They're worried if there's going to be an amalgamation of the two schools as well. Again, that's a contract you entered, you, 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 you've engaged in that you want your child to go to an all-girl or an all-boy school. You know, and there were the options that the parents ticked the box. Okay. So, you know, they're the concerns. Uh, but it's not, it's, it, it's, it's about um, rules from Dublin, yet again, being imposed that nobody has asked for. Okay, let's hear what the public think on this matter. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate you uh, filling me in on the details. Uh, text 0868104106, Councillor Ken O'Flynn. We can, can we stop changing our heritage, please? Can we stop changing our beliefs to incorporate other peoples? This is our country. Please stop trying to change it. Uh, and as much as we love people coming to live in our country, when in Rome, etc., respect our culture. Uh, Donna says, mine are in Educate Together. There is no Educate Together secondary close by, so we will opt out of religion in secondary. I've heard parents having problems doing this. Their school aren't allowing it sometimes. But I can tell you one thing, with regards to religious education, mine will be opting out. Uh, Yes, Suzanne, there should be some religious schools. Why not? Some people still want religion in their children's schools. It's not forced on the children like it was in the 70s or 80s. It's totally different now. Somehow, having a small bit of prayer does no one any harm at all. 
we all use it when something goes wrong for us, don't we? Yeah, and it, we're kind of hypocrites when we do that, really, isn't it? We pray and ask for help and intervention in times of crisis only. Anyway, to the phone lines we go. Kate, good morning. Line four. Kate, there you are. Can you hear me? Is it me? Yeah, yeah, yeah so sorry. Katie, oh, my apologies. Oh, Katie. Katie, my sorry. apologies. Okay, pick up on that. Your thoughts. Okay, first of all, religion is not culture. Secondly, um, what, what are you saying? When in Rome, do as the Romans, respect our culture, no, that text. Yes, certainly. Um, culture is very different to religion. And many, many Irish people are not Catholic or Protestant. Why do they tick the box in the census then? Well, 78% of people ticked. I think that's the 78% Ken O'Flynn is talking about. That was the 2016 census. And I'm sure this year's census will be much, much lower. Probably lower. But let's deal with the stat that we have. 78% ticked Catholic. But ninety over ninety percent are of the schools are Catholic, and another five or so percent are Church of Ireland. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what are um, going to how, how are we going to make it work then? Religion and schools. Well, I think you're asking the wrong question. Um, first of all, it's disingenuous to call the subject religion. It's Catholic or Church of Ireland faith formation, and it's not religious education. Um, the schools are not teaching about other religions, maybe in secondary, but not in primary. They're teaching just the patron's religion at the exclusion of all others. Um, So that would be the birth of the baby Jesus, the crucifixion, Christ coming down as the son of God to absolve mankind of their sins and tell them to behave and the saints and the apostles. Yeah, and Uh, the prayers and the hymns and and children by junior infants they think that is the truth, the only truth, and anything else is wrong. Or, like, my son, when he was five, in junior infant, in a educate-together school, was told by another child that if he didn't believe in God, we're atheists, by the way, um, that he would be going to hell. Now, he didn't know what hell was, so he wasn't upset. But it was the, the I suppose... But I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, that was a child. No, I know. Yeah, that must put the fear of God into him. But why does a five-year-old, how does a five-year-old get that language, understand it to be truth to that extent that they can say that to another child? And a child of five comes home to his mammy and his daddy and says, what's hell? Years ago, hell was where you would go to and you would burn for eternity. That's what we were taught in school. That's not being Mm. taught anymore. In fact, I believe that they're saying now there is no hell. So it's changed very much. Limbo's gone. Purgatory's gone. Hell as being a place of eternal damnation and pain and fire. Um, You know, that's gone. But there is... Yeah, but there's still children in, in every class for eight years of primary school listening for half an hour a day. They're not actually allowed to leave the classroom. So Ken O'Flynn is wrong. There is no library for them to go to. There is no other class. There's no supervision in another room. If you tell the school we're not Catholic, uh, please opt my child out, they will say, and I've had this experience firsthand, they will say, oh, they can sit at the back and read a book or colour something in. They won't be excused from the room. They will still absorb everything that goes on in that lesson. But also they'll be isolated from their classmates okay. and othered. Okay, okay. Well, how did you handle it then as, as atheists? How, how, how does it work for you? I had to take my daughter out of that school after two, the first two weeks. Um, we thought that we were great, that we had got a place. 
after tick, not ticking Catholic on the application form for the school, we were worried we wouldn't even get in. Um, she got a place and then I realised within the first week or two and we had a meeting with the headmistress and was told, no, they can't do anything for us. It's a Catholic school. She'll just have to sit in the, stay in the room. There's nowhere for her to go. So we moved her to an Educate Together right. school. How does that work with regards to religion? None, is it? No, they learn a little bit. Every so often, they do a few days' lessons about a certain religion. So they might learn for a few days, for a week or so, they might learn about Judaism, and they'll learn a, a song or two. They'll learn about the culture. It isn't just religion. They'll learn about the people, the tradition, okay. the culture. It's okay. actually really, really lovely. So an Educate Together, um, it's a multi-denominational approach to yeah. religion. Okay. Yeah. So do you believe then that Norma Foley is right to be driving this agenda, trying to make this change? Well, it, it, I don't know if she particularly wants it, but it did come from R- Richard Bruton's administration as the education minister that he said he would make 400 schools um, non-denominational. Well, this is a pilot programme that's being rolled. Yeah, OK, 400 would be ex-Catholic schools. But Norma yeah. Foley is the one who has picked pilot areas, apparently, and, yeah. and Cork and areas of Cork are part of the pilot. So she's driving yeah. this. You would agree with it? I would agree with it, but I don't know if if they're going about it the right way. I mean, first of all, you have to have consultation with the parents instead of fear-mongering. I think you need to talk to the parents about what their fears are in terms of losing the Catholic status. What do they think will be lost? Do they think it's just the preparation for communion and confirmation? That will go as well, fear, apparently. Yeah, do that they fear go. that ethics, morals and any kind of right or wrong will be lost because they need to, the government needs to provide a viable alternative in terms of a class that teaches children right from wrong. Well, let's just, just end where, well, let's just end where we come in in our conversation, you and I, where people feel that it is a watering down, all you disagree with the term, that it is yet another watering down of our culture and our traditions and the way things were. They want well, status I, quo. I, I think you need to ask those parents what they think will be lost. Um, the culture, as I said at the beginning, Irish culture is not religion. And if it was, it was enforced quite heavily and to the detriment of many, many families who suffered a lot by the hands of the Catholic Church. Okay. Now, I do think if people want Catholic education, they should opt in and it should be an after-school activity. That's how it happens in my son's Educate Together. And most of the parents, it is a Gwale school, but most of the parents do opt for that. And those children attend religion after school and nobody is bothered at all. It's fine. So like put it as the, the last class of a day that you can either stay or go. No, it's after. No, I'm saying, you know, when, when the normal school day ends, yes. parents and children can decide as to whether they stay on for the extra 30 minutes. It'd be interesting to see how many would then stay on, wouldn't it? Well, in, in my children's Educate Together, I'd say three quarters of the class stayed. About okay. a quarter leave on time. Okay, okay. But it varies. Okay, let me get some varies. more calls on this. Thank you, Katie. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And back to the phone lines we go. We'll pick it up after 10, but just this side at 10 o'clock. Maureen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Your thoughts on all of this change? Oh, well, first of all, I think, I think it's shocking. Why? That Catholicism is being removed. 
from Catholic schools. Mm, well, it's an ever-changing world we live in with lots of people from different worlds with different denominations of faith and some, but none at all. That makes no difference. That makes no difference when it comes to a Catholic school. Ninety percent of them being eighty percent. Eighty percent of them care. Catholic. In a Catholic school, Catholicism should be taught. It has the name Catholic on it. Yeah, and this but is the fault as well of the bishops who are caving in to this nonsense. You know, you know the school; those schools that are deemed to be Catholic, uh, they're funded by the state and funded by the taxpayer, and the salaries and the wages are paid by taxpayers. You know, they're not exclusively well, they're not exclusively they, run or paid for by the Catholic they, yeah. Church. But if they want these, um, um, or what do you call these, these schools they're wanting to buy, is it... Um, educate together. Um, educate, educate together, yeah. Well, you know, if they want these schools, go out and fundraise, build your own schools. The whole idea is to but convert they, yeah. many of the existing ones to that type of school, you see. Oh, yeah, but, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but convert the Catholic ones, you see. Yeah, because the mass... Instead, mass yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, they'll quite happily move in and take, take the bricks and mortar and throw Catholicism out the window, plus throwing Almighty God out the window while they're at it. Well, no, not just not to be taught it in, in school exclusively from well, a Catholic point of view. Well, why not, Neil? Why not? You won't walk into a, remote, a school run by Muslims and tell them they can't teach Islam. And another thing, Catholicism is very much part of our culture. It always was. And you, you definitely will not go into a Muslim-run school and tell them that Islam is not part of their well, culture. Well, that's an interesting point. If one were to go to a Muslim country, Hindus would, and Buddhists, would they flip their yeah. religion to no, suit and accommodate wouldn't. others? Certainly not. Yeah. If I move to the Middle East in the morning or the, any part of the Far East, that is Islamic, yeah. and I want to open a Catholic school, I don't think I would be allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not going to give in to it, so why should we be giving in to all this? Yeah, it seems as an awful and, lot of parents are unhappy with it. And, and plus, did the bishops are for because they're caving in to what I call absolute nonsense with what we're seeing going on in the world already. What about the issue of uh, moving Holy Communion and confirmation preparation out of Shocking. the classroom? Shocking. Absolutely. Because you're there, they're right there. You're preparing children to make the first Holy Communion. A very important. But what document. about the children in the class then who are excluded from it because they're not Catholic and won't be taking well, the Holy Communion? That's Com- tough, Neil. That, that's tough. Catholicism is being expected to bend over backwards to suit everybody else but not Catholics. And it's tough. Yeah. Should religion be go in schools? Go and do go and read. Yes, it should. I'm talking about Catholicism. Why? I don't care what any, any other school does. Why, well, why, why shouldn't it be handled? Why shouldn't it be like we have... We have, we have parents who could do it. Do you think parents are going to be spending time, especially working parents, or, or where children are maybe in a crash or children with a childminder, do you think they are going to be spending time teaching their children? But no, they're not. But if, 80, if, if, if 84% ticked a box or 78%, depending on which census you look at, saying they're Catholic, why aren't the churches full on a Sunday? They're not. Like, they're not. The churches are... Oh, my church is, my church is full. Ah, uh, yeah, but there was a time. If you had 70 or 80% of the public ticking the box Catholic, there'd be six masses jammed on a Sunday morning. There isn't any more. So... Well, you see, well, I'm talking about the Novus Order Church now. I don't go to Novus Order. I, t- I attend the Latin Mass. The Latin Sunday. Mass. Okay. Is that yes, open Sunday as well? Ages. 
Or in West Cork? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm in West Cork. I go to, it's in, I go to a play in Rain of Screen. But you see what I'm saying? If all of those people were ticking the boxes being Catholic, why aren't the masses, and there used to be seven or eight, I was an altar boy years ago, there was about seven masses. There was a half seven, there was a, there was a seven, there was an eight, there was a half nine, there was 11, there was a 12, there was six, there was a five o'clock in the afternoon. Like, where are all the Catholics when it comes well, to going to Mass? See, yeah, well, you see, first of all, Catholicism has been watered down. I heard you, I heard you there um, on earlier, Neil, you were saying that they're teaching us there's no such thing as hell and purgatory, or limbo, right? Yeah. Yes, there is. There is a hell, there is a purgatory, and there is a limbo. And furthermore... I don't think no the Vatican pope. would agree with you on that, but what's your interpretation? I don't care what the Vatican says. No Pope has the authority to change this teaching. Right. And this is put down in the Council of Trent. Would you, you go back to all you, the councils. But would, the council you be of te- would you be teaching a small child about hell? And if so, what would yes. you describe it as? Yes. What's hell? I will be teaching them about, and it depends on their age. Okay. Hell is everlasting fire. It's eternal damnation. It's hell. So you would tell you will tell small children that if they don't yes. behave, they will burn forever I'm in the fires of hell. Age appropriate. Age appropriate. What age? I'm then? talking about. At what age? Um, I have a granddaughter. I have a ten-year-old, nice seven-year-old grandson, and a two-year-old who's here with me now. But what age yes. would you tell a child about burning forever? Seven. After when they made when they made the first holy communion, they should know. When I made my first holy communion in this country. I was taught that. I was taught heaven, hell, and purgatory. Right. Okay. okay. And we were the better for it. This is what's wrong. Catholicism is in It didn't itself. frighten the life out of you, no? No. Okay. Why should it? It was our fate. Of course it didn't. But that's my opinion on it, so, you know. That there is a hell and you will burn forever with an unquestionable yes, thirst. If you die in mortal sin, if you do not repent, and you continue to live a life that you know is leading you into sin, especially mortal sin, is leading you to hell. Well then, that's where, and the, on the day of judgment, that's where you go. To hell and you'll burn forever. And then there is a purgatory and right. there is a limbo. Okay, okay. Let's pick it up after 10. What people may have an opinion on what you have to say. Thank you, Maureen. Text 0868104106. In Maureen's book, There Is a Hell and You Will Burn Forever Down There. If you don't behave, uh, you can also pick up the phone 0818 I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Right, I just want to change horses just for a few minutes here because I'm always very keen to help people out if it's at all possible with the help of you great listeners out there. And we may be able to help Dan who finds himself in a bit of a situation now and is very upset over it. Dan, good morning. Morning, Neil. And for you, of course, it, uh, it is very, very serious and it's very upsetting yeah. because it's your, it's your beautiful dog, Boo, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> You all right? I'm not, Neil. Oh, no. T- tell me now. Take, take your time now and we'll just chat through it, all right? I know your dog, Boo, is a Belgian shepherd, a big dog, but Boo is sick. Yeah. Okay, okay. What's wrong? He, he, Sunday, he, he started getting sick. He couldn't walk. He very bad on his legs, right? Yeah. yeah. A Monday I phoned the vet, my vet. The vet won't say they can't come out. They can't come out, yeah. I'm after phoning about 20 vets. 
han og dem vil komme til mig. Nå, og ikke han løft i dag, og jeg har nå valgt til løft i dag. I know. How, how old is Boo? He be eight in October. Only eight. So he's a young yeah. enough dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And is it just the he, two he, of you out in Fernandes, yourself and Boo, is it? And my wife. And your wife. But he's yeah. he's obviously a much-loved part of the family. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's just a tall person. He's protection person and everything. I know, I know. No, he's in a remote area. Yeah. Yeah, he's replay. He, yeah, he's 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 protection for you because you live remotely, but you also yeah. love him, and he's a lovely, oh, kind, yeah. lovable dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is he 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 he's not moving, is he? He's just lying no. there. He just lying there on the back, and he, he wouldn't eat his food. on yesterday, and I went over him. Yeah. Got a chicken. We done the chicken. We made the chicken. Turned the night a whole lot. Just. He'd usually wolf it down, would he? Oh yes. Uh-huh. So I just say it's food. He was up to the door. Still there looking for it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say it's anything very serious, though, Dan. So don't worry about that, right? Dogs, yeah. that happens with dogs like the rest of us. They go off their food. They might get an old bug. Might need an antibiotic or something like that. Yeah. They might have a bit of a blockage going on downstairs. So that'll be fixable. But you can't lift them because you're actually waiting yeah. for a hip replacement, I think, are you? No, I, I, I've had hip replacement and I've had... Two operations in back and I went for emergency surgery. You can't lift on a hernia. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Are you getting on a bit yourself and your wife? I was 17 old in January. All right. The wife was 50 yeah. years. Yeah. There's a long life left in Boo yet, though, if we can just get him to the vet. Yeah. Yeah. And the vets don't call out, sure they don't. If it was cattle yeah. or horses, there are vets for those. Yeah, but that's what they'll say. Well, uh, I know, I know. So uh, you're looking for help from a vet who would either go to Fernand's or what yeah. if what if somebody was able to take Boo to the vet for you? I don't, I don't he's so weak, I don't think he'd last his journey. Is he drinking any you water? Know, he, he can't even get up now to go to his every trough out in the back for him. He can't even stand up to get to it. I'm putting a bowl down to him, didn't lick it off my hands. So you're not taking on water here. And is this, the, he's been like this since Sunday, has he? Yeah, well, he, he was drinking a lot of water for the last few days. Well, well he always drank a lot of water. You know? Is he conscious? Oh, he is, yeah. Yeah. Conscious, but sad and sick. Yeah, he had, a, he had a, um, a cancer there two years ago. But we, we caught him in time, we got him done. Okay. I'm just wondering, is it that I have well, a clue? I'm going to be honest. But the dog, no, it's not the dog. He's just lying down. The dog is always full of life. The minute I get a ball, he's up in me. I know, I know. If I get a lead, he's just not moving at all. Mad for the lead, mad to get out. Knows yeah. there's a walk coming. Knows there's a run on the way, yeah. Well, sure. listen, don't don't even dwell on the on the cancer issue for now. Let's let's see if we can get him to the vet. But I, I think if a vet won't come to you, it would be a wonderful thing if we could organise somebody to take Boo to the vet. Yeah, it's Wouldn't it? You're in Fernand, so you're not far from yeah. the city. You're not far from the likes of... No, it's only... Balanc- it's probably a vet in Balancolic, isn't there? Not too far from you? I'm out of phone in every single one of them. Not one of them will come. Okay, okay. So if somebody, if somebody had a, a van and could lift Boo into the van... Yeah, um, I'd, say to, I'd, I'd say to the wife, you know, no, 
Yes, someone could come with a van and lift him into the van. Yeah, she said that'd be great. And maybe we could make an appointment with a with a vet near you in the meantime, just to say, listen, booze on the way. Oh, oh yeah, there's no. There's, there's a one vet in Coachford, right? Right. Well, co- yeah. Well, let, let's no, no, let's need let, yeah. one minute. No, we no in the world. Oh, All right, do I don't want to hear. I, I don't want to hear about anything yeah. like that. I want to. Don't want you to be criticizing uh, no, anybody no, here. I'm, not, I'm okay. not going to say anything. Okay, well, anybody let's not. All I'm saying to you now yeah. is that that there are vets there. I mean, I know. I know oh, a yeah. vet in Douglas, Deck the Vet, and we can put a call in to Deck the Vet in Douglas yeah. in the Woolman. He's a cracking vet, and he's yeah. got great people there. And um, and don't wor- don't worry about the cost. You know, like if you haven't got the money, I'll, I'll sort that out for you. If you're caught for a few bob. All right, well, hang, hang, hang on. Okay. okay, well, I'm glad to hear you a few, Bob, you'll be able to cover the fee. But, Edward. How's the farm? Good, my man. Is there any way at all that you could help me out with this this morning at some stage, do you think? I'll be out there for about half past 12. I have uh, an empty Toyota Pro S fan we can put Boo in the back of it and I can take him out to the vet. Are you sure you've got the time now to do all of that? I do, kind of, no panic. I have a couple of hours to spare there, yeah. Edward, that is a kind, kind gesture on your behalf. Thank you so much for it. No, no Taking the time, in fairness. All right, listen, that's a beautifully kind, generous gesture. Fantastic. And yeah, Dan, Edward is going to come out to you. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to get Edward's details. I'm going to get your address and your postcode. Give it to Edward. They have 12. So between now and then, we'll try our best to sort the vet out. I'm sure we will. Thanks, I'm sorry, much. All right, Dan, hang in there, all right? Everything will be fine. Edward? Okay. Thumbs up, pal. A million thanks. Cheers, no matter. Appreciate no it, bud. Nice one. Thank you. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. I said it before, the kindness of people is just extraordinary. I just love Cork people. I just love Cork. I love every stick and stone of the place. Thank you, Edward, for that kind gesture and for uh, getting on board and hopefully everything will be well with Boo a little later on today. I'll come back to it if there's an update. Also, can I also say thank you to another gentleman, Andy, from Alton Removals. Great company. They moved me when I was moving house. Super people. Morning, Andy. Long time no see. He says they have plenty vans and they'd help Dan and Boo if they need be. You're the greatest. Thank you. Um, Deck the Vet uh, could be... Um, our option um, in Douglas in the Woolen Mills and we'll do our best to make that happen. So I'll come back to you with that for an update because people will be keen to hear. Meanwhile, um, and happy for you Dan, all would be well for yourself and your wife and little boo. Uh, what's the big fuss about anyway? All the anti-religious are so bigoted in, in their ideas. I went to a Catholic convent in the 1960s. There was no religious dogma even then. Just a class every day in catechism to teach us right from wrong. To this day it always makes sense. I learned a lot from it. We live in the parameters of these beliefs. Even if folks fell out, it was always a guide for us in life. We knew right from wrong because of it, but still had a great joyful life. The kids today will never experience the innocent happiness and the wild things that our generation had. Well, generations change and things change for different generations. They have different agendas and different beliefs and different wishes and wants and pastimes. Not all of them the best, but you know, uh, you don't, you can't look back through the fifties and sixties or seventies in Ireland and say everything was perfect. It was far from it. Amanda says religion is the foundation of education, and for me personally, it's what I love about Ireland. Keep our education system and all of our beliefs, all our traditions intact, please. 
like Holy Communion. It's all entwined. Stop trying to move our kids further away from God. Uh, Jay says they should keep religion in the school library with the rest of the works of fiction. And Catherine says, we have a meeting in both schools. I think it should be up to the parents if you don't want your child learning religion. Then fair enough. Change it. But the majority are for religion in both of the schools you're talking about. And the excitement for communion and confirmations. If you don't want your child to learn, there should be a separate class or something else for those kids to do. Um, The text that went out to parents said, this is an opportunity to come to the schools to ask questions and have your opinion heard. You're all most welcome to attend. But what if the vast majority of opinions are against change? What happens then? Uh, Robard says you can't stop parents giving their children religion, but state schools should have absolutely no part in it. And one final one for now, whether you believe in religion or not, the lessons taught from the stories they tell us are valuable. It teaches kids the difference from right and wrong. Granted, take the whole hell and devil part out of it. Well, Maureen wouldn't agree with that. But the stories show jealousy. They show greed and how they can be bad, but how there are also people that are good It also teaches forgiveness within yourself and others. It also gives hope to kids that they might see lost ones again in the next life. I wouldn't be one to believe in God or heaven and hell, but the lessons learned in the subject of religion are valuable. If you're taking away religion, you're taking away communion, you're taking away confirmation, things that kids in Irish schools get excited about. If you don't believe in religion anyway, why would it bother you if the child gets to dress up and sing a few songs. If it's not for you, where's the big deal? Keep those texts coming. Text 0868 104 106. Uh, we'll return to it. Just back again to uh, Dan's little, well, not little dogs, big dog. It's a Belgian shepherd, Boo. Anastasia is at uh, the veterinary uh, clinic in the Douglas Woolen Mills, commonly known by all of us as uh, Deck the Vets. Anastasia, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I just threw it out there that maybe you guys might help. Uh, I don't know how much of the story you know, but Dan's very upset about his dog, Boo. He can't move him. He's too big and he's had a hip replacement and no vet will go out. So I thought I might get uh, it organized for Boo to come to you guys. He's not eating. He's just lying there. He's sick. Of course, yes. We will do absolutely everything we can to help uh, the animal and to support the owner, of course. You're very kind. You're very yeah, kind. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> so as a much. chap called Edward is going to bring Boo in the back of his van to you. Should be there about maybe one one fifteen today. Does that work for you guys in Douglas? Oh, absolutely perfect. Super. How perfect? Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, Edward, uh, I might have him here actually. Edward, are you there? Hello. Oh, he's not there. Okay. Well, don't worry about it, Anastasia. I'll get back to Edward and I'll tell him you guys are expecting Boo. And okay. I know, I know that Deck and the vets there will work their magic. So thank you. Thank you also. Thank you very much. Take care. We'll be in touch, okay? All right. I'd love to hear back what's wrong with poor old Boo and uh, put him right for, uh, for, for Dan and for the rest of us. So thank you to Anastasia and everybody at uh, Deck the Vets in Douglas Woolen Mills. I'll come back to you if there's an update on that. But at this stage, I'd say it'll be tomorrow. Another update for you, actually. Um, you know, I was talking about Rosemary Murphy um, from Castleview down Tivoli Way, who got run over by a train and survived way back in the early 1970s. Apparently, Rosemary's in Australia. Having a lovely life. I think she settled down, had children and stuff like that. But her brother got in touch, John, who'd be Rosemary's older brother. Because this all started earlier in the week with the son of the train driver who came on the air to relive the story as to how Rose survived, even though as a three-year-old, she was caught under the train. But the undercarriage was high enough up from the train track 
that had saved her life. But all of this had to do with the fact that um, the, the, the train driver had a choice of two trains to drive that morning. One was a Yankee train and the other was a UK train. He went for the UK train. Um, if he'd taken the American engine, it was lower to the track and Rose would not have survived. Rosemary would not have survived. Anyway, her uh, brother says, I was listening to your show regarding my sister Rosemary Murphy. I was in the sitting room doing my homework at the time when we heard the train's brakes screech. The driver was braking as far back as the KLM pub. It took about 200 yards to stop. As the engine and first carriage went over Rose, my sister, everyone froze to the spot as it happened. Neil, she was lucky on two accounts. One, that she didn't get killed outright. And secondly, we all forgot about this, secondly, that she wasn't scalded alive as at the time the engines released a lot of steaming hot water. It was my father who jumped the six-foot fence and brought her out from under the train unscathed. She just had a graze on her forehead. Obviously, she was brought to hospital to get checked out, but everything was okay. Rose was playing on a small patch of waste ground close to the house with my brother, who was about three or four years older than her, when she just wandered out. She's now living in Australia, teaching and is married to a teacher herself. Uh, She has twins and is doing very well for herself there. She vaguely remembers what happened, uh, but we have never let her forget. And that's from her brother, John. I don't know whether it ever will be possible to have a conversation with Rosemary or even how much of it she remembers. But it's good, actually, to be able to you know, connect the dots, if you like, and for others, including family members, uh, to share stories. So that's the latest update there on that from the early 1970s. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Text 0868-104-106. Uh, but to calls now. Eamon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, I was listening very carefully there to a previous caller. Maureen. And she actually, um, she sounded like a lovely lady. Yeah, and not, I'm not disputing that, but it, it's okay to, to challenge people in the world we live in now, particularly absolutely. with... with, with the, say, absolutely. I, I, believe, I believe in free speech. I believe in free speech, absolutely. Because my she understanding is that Vatican no longer believes that hell is a place where you burn forever in fire, you see. That, 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 that's actually absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Purgatory and hell exist as much as heaven exists, and not everybody goes to heaven. That's what I believe as a practicing Catholic. Yeah. Um, she made a point, and a very good point, in relation to her own child, um, and she, she wanted her child to opt out of religious education. Now, I'd like to make this quick point. I believe the communions, preparation of communion and confirmation should continue in the school, but if a parent wants their child not to be part of that um, faith formation, they should have the option of the child being brought to a different classroom or brought to the library or somewhere else. And she was absolutely correct in what she was saying. What I do disagree with is that she stated that the teaching of religion is not part of our culture. And if she, say, if she, if she believes that, I think she knows nothing at all about Irish history and culture. Because in the past, um, during the famine, it was actually our faith that sustained our people. During the famine, it was our faith that sustained our people when Cromwell's forces came from England and murdered tens of thousands. Uh, didn't of actually, it didn't actually. Nearly a million and a half people died. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was our faith that it sustained our people. When Cromwell's forces came from England and murdered tens of thousands of people, innocent people down the length and breadth of this country, it was our faith that sustained us. It was our faith that sustained us when our priests were being hunted during the penal times in Ireland and when young men dressed as priests and spread themselves around the hillsides to protect the Mass and the Eucharist. It was the faith that sustained our people. 
So to say that it's not part of our culture is fundamentally wrong. It is part of our culture. Um, yeah, I don't mean to rain on your parade, but there were also some quite negative stories associated to the Catholic Church down the hundreds of years you've just referenced, defend, including, including fear. That was one of the strongest weapons they had. Fear, creating fear, power. Um, we, all, we all know of ultimately what happened then, say, for instance, in the Magdalene laundries and in the mother and baby and that, homes that power, that power, that power the, the pedophilia with the pedophilia within within the church, Absolutely. unfortunately. And forgive me for forgive me for reminding of that. But before Jesus, they'll have to answer before Jesus what they have done. But I believe that hell exists. I believe that purgatory exists. I believe that heaven exists. And the teaching of religion is very, very important. Not only in terms of faith formation, but in terms of teaching moral values to, to children. We we see with with the demise of the Catholic Church in Ireland. How, how the morals have, have absolutely disintegrated all over the country. Uh, no, they haven't. No, they haven't. Uh, no, I know an awful lot of young people that are entirely without religion, um, absolutely 100% without it. They're wonderful people. Their morals are totally intact. They've got their heads screwed on the right way. They're having happy lives and they're kind and they're generous and they're sympathetic uh, to other people. No religion whatsoever. We, we, I, I, and I accept that, but there's also a lot of children who are not being taught right from wrong. And as part of the faith formation, that's one of the fundamental things they would have been taught in, in schools by their teachers. I have some great memories going to primary school, and I think of all the teachers that I had in primary school, the two teachers that stand out were the teachers that um, helped me in my faith formation in both uh, preparation for first good communion no, good and man. confirmation. Encourage your convictions. I appreciate what you're saying. Absolutely. I respect what you're saying. I remember in primary school, though, um, we used to have priests come in and... Uh, They'd have a candle, right? And they would light the candle and they would encourage us to come up and a few of us tried it, to hold our hand in the candle for as long as we could. Some people tried it. And the message was, well, if you can only keep your hand over the flame of the candle or your finger for one or two seconds, imagine what it's going to be like when you go to hell and it's going to be your entire body all of the time. That now might sound weird to people hearing that, but that happened. Yeah, and I, you know, I can't, I can't dispute that, but I may, I may be three or four years younger than you, Neil, and, you know, I don't know, that didn't happen when I was... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not lying now, I'm not making it up. I know, it, and I accept it, what it you're did. saying, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But I think the point that the woman made was a very, very important point, that if the first ho- preparation for First Holy Communion and Confirmation is going to continue in the schools, and I certainly hope that it does, then a parent who does not want their child to be part of that should have the option of that child going to a library or going to another class when, when that faith okay. formation is Good going man. ahead. You know, it's the, it's the old catechism that talks about hell as being a place of eternal fire. Like, didn't Pope John Paul II say that, that hell was not a place, it was just um, being separated from God? Like, he said there is no place. That that, that, that that is the greatest suffering, that you're, you're not with God in heaven. Okay, that is but, the greatest suffering. but Maureen believes that it actually is a is a massive fire pit where everybody literally consciously burns forever. And I, I, th- I think a lot of the a lot of the saints and mystics of the church w- would have had that belief as well. Right. Um, Do you through their experiences? Do you? I'm not quite sure whether there's an actual fire or not. 
But I do believe it's a place of eternal suffering. And once you're there, there's no getting out of it. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you James. Do appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Katie says, there's no need for denominating our schools or segregating children by religion. They're not old enough to understand or choose for themselves. Um, children should learn about inclusivity, diversity, equality, ethics, morals, and more than anything about mental health issues, but only at age-appropriate levels. There's plenty of material out there. Instead of wasting 30 minutes each day on just one religion dictated by the patron, in this case, say, for instance, the Catholic school. Uh, All schools should be neutral. Parents need to start taking responsibility for their child's involvement in the teachings of their religion, if that's what they want. The question should be asking parents, Neil should be asking parents who want schools to continue to be run by religion, why do they want every child, including those from other cultures and backgrounds, um, also, do they want them to receive faith formation into Christianity for 30 minutes a day as well? If they're so holy, so good, why don't they appreciate our differences and want schools to teach us about them and to respect others and not alienate children who are not of let's say, the correct religion. Neve says, parents had a choice of our newest secondary school a few years ago and the parents chose Catholic. So somewhere there are still many people out there who want it, despite what you're saying on air or indeed what people may say online. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Just jumping in between calls here because we've got another 500 euro voucher to give away this morning, Wednesday morning, for the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. Well worth a visit if you're thinking of furnishing the home or a room in the home and 500 euro will go a long way. So top quality furniture, great value, in business for over 40 years. Started by the great Teddy Barry and on it goes. Morning, Ted. That will be an ecumenical matter, Ted. Um, anyway, the idea here is 500 euro voucher if you can share your story and the best one wins. Where did you go on your first Cork date and how did it go? Some great stories all week. So keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Where did you go on your first Cork date and how did it go? The wackier, funnier or more, I suppose, um, disastrous, the better. Text 0868104106. Somebody will win a 500 euro voucher for the Furniture Centre Watercourse Road in Blackpool between now and midday today. Uh, again, another thing that got that they got completely and utterly wrong was the school transport system. Uh, people paid for it and their child got a place in the bus. Then they decided, of course, that it would be free for everybody. You just had to apply. And those that were paying in the past now find themselves without any space because there ain't enough to go around. Uh, next time you're talking to our so-called Taoiseach, ask him, is he going to provide more funding to provide school transport for our kids? We got an email yesterday from Bus Aaron. It said, do not present your child for the bus in Kildare unless they have a ticket. We paid for those tickets for the last three years and got it no problem. But this year it's free and we never got a space. Herself had to take the morning off to drop her to a school. It's a total disgrace. Uh, we dealt with this in the past and I know that they've kind of half admitted that they got it wrong. Some are suggesting there should have been a nominal price, that there should have been some kind of a charge. And that might have whittled down the amount of people who just went for the bus because it was free, um, because they just didn't have enough buses or enough places. So when it's free, a lot more people went for it. 
that perhaps wouldn't have done if there was a a nominal fee. Uh, Please do understand something before you start reading out as gospel on the radio what you read or hear on British radio. Bills in the UK will not be capped at £2,500. There is a cap on what tariff the energy companies can charge. It only means that uh, the average family would not pay more than £2,500. If you use lots more energy than the average family, you will pay more. But hey, who's interested in details these days? Just read out the headlines. Well, thank you for drilling into the detail. I acknowledge what you're saying. Uh, I think they would use an average family as being a typical example of 2500 being as much as you'd pay. In fact, it's less than that for an average family. They would be capped at 2500 but I believe they get somewhere between four and £600 in instalments on top of that as well. If you disagree with that, do come back to me. Uh, talking about the cost of rent and 50% of the properties on the market in Ireland right now, right now, apartments and homes are landlords' properties getting out of the market. So that will only do one thing. For the remaining properties that will be available for rent, little and all as they are, they'll be more expensive. Uh, rent is impossible. We pay €1,400 Euro for a house that is an average house. We are in a rent pressure zone and it's jumping to 600 this month. How can that be? How are we supposed to afford €600 Euro a month at work? Um, it's such a jump. Nowhere else to rent. 1600 is now cheap in Carrigaline. Uh, thank you for that. And just one final one that I was dealing with earlier on this morning. The cafe owner in Dolik, which I think is in County Meath, has banned people from coming in to her cafe in pyjamas, slippers, bathrobes, or pyjamas or slippers or bathrobes. It's just proper attire. Uh, two women came in wearing pyjamas, slippers and bathrobes, uh, had a stroller around the gift shop then sat down and had breakfast and she is not having any more of it. You guys are saying wearing pyjamas outside the house clearly shows that you are one thing, a lazy person. Anybody listen to me who goes shopping in pyjamas will have a thought on that, being described as a lazy person. I've seen people in pyjamas walking around Dunn's and Tesco and Aldi and Lidl and places like that. I have. Kudos to the owner of the cafe. Uh, I would be the first in line if a cafe with this kind of dress code opened up in Cork, says Nina. Um, Morning, Neil. I totally agree with the cafe owner. Well done to her. About time. It's the epitome of absolute laziness and it looks absolutely dreadful. I would say to people, get dressed for God's sake, says Shiona. And a final text on this, three words. Cafe owner is the reference point on this. The three words are, she's dead right. Your thoughts on pyjamas in public, whether it's socialising or going to a cafe or going down to the pub. And also, would it be fair to say that it's a women's thing? Uh, that I don't know that I've ever seen a man going around in his pyjamas in a supermarket. I have seen women going around in pyjamas and slippers and indeed a bathrobe, but I haven't seen a man. Not yet, anyway. Uh, there's time for it yet, I suppose. Back to the phone lines we go. James, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Neil. Right, uh, lots of texts and lots of correspondence on this. Um, taking religion out of schools, um, converting at least 400 Catholic schools to non-Catholic, if you like, taking communion out of the classroom, taking preparation for confirmation out of the classroom to make it an all more inclusive world. That's got to be healthy, doesn't it? Well, it's one way of looking at it, I suppose, Neil. But uh, as you know, in Northern Ireland for years, and one of the problems with Northern Ireland was the cause of a lot of the problems was segregation, Neil. Deminus. And uh, 
Well, religion down through the millennia have been the conse- has there has been war as a consequence of it. Yes. So, you know. but uh, if you think about today's school, if I was a parent today sending my child to school, I'd be far, far more worried about the other terrible influences that are there now, Neil. I was only talking to um, a retired member of the Garda Shikana, and his son is in the Garda Shikana, and he was telling me that in a town which isn't a million miles away from Cork, Neil, I won't mention the town because he wouldn't tell me anyway, mm. uh, the person to go to there for drugs, uh, the main person to go to for drugs is 14 years old, Neil. Yeah, yeah, they use young mules who are below yeah. the age of criminals. So that's someone who's probably in the second second year in, in, in a school, And Neil. probably a lot of those thugs and yobs above in Ballyfermot. Oh, yes. Robbing yes. cars and joyriding, smashing yes. them into yes. cop cars and filming it and... Yeah, thinking See, it's that's, great that's fun. the kind of influences now that I'd be more worried about. Yeah, but I'm religion, even reading won't, religion won't stop about, that. Sorry, Neil. Religion won't stop that, James. Well, I, 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 to see, I'd be more worried about that than worry. I mean, why would we worried about hearing about God or Jesus Christ? Because you're going to hear about it anyway, Neil. I mean, you can't live in this world without hearing about the Pope of Rome and the Vatican. And, and as one of your callers just said there earlier, and he was dead right, the Catholic Church is intrinsically linked with the history of Ireland. You can't learn about the history of Ireland or the Catholic I, Church. I mean, don't talk to me about the Catholic Church during the time of the genocidal famine, please, because they were found very wanting, sitting on their hands on that one anyway. I get but, uh, but when you think crime. of all the, the great leaders we had in 1916, they were all devout Catholics, Neil. Yeah, Patrick Pierce. The men, we, the men we commemorated the other day, Michael Collins. These were all devout Catholics. They all had communion in their cells before they died, Neil, yeah. before they were shot. Yeah. So, uh, it's a different uh, world now, though. You, you can't say with any amount of certainty that, that a Dev or a Collins would be like that in 2022, you see. Yes. Uh, yes a bad, it's I, been I, a bad I, hundred I, years for the Catholic Church, James. Sorry, Neil? It's been a bad hundred years for the Catholic Church. Well, I wouldn't do, go agree with that, Neil. No? No, 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 because if you, in what respect? Well, quite a lot of controversy and quite a lot of cruelty, particularly against children. Particularly about the ostracization in the last hundred years, say, for instance, of gay people or children born outside of wedlock or single parents. They still have a bit of axe to grind with all of that. But you, you have to put these things in a historical context, Neil. I know. Well, someone was saying there earlier on, the, someone said earlier that the Catholic Church ruled by fear. No, that was not true, Neil. The Catholic Church ruled because the people at the time wanted them to have influence, No, Neil. you shouldn't be afraid of the parish priest. People were. Oh, no. You're, you're, you're demeaning the Irish people by saying that, Neil. We weren't, the Irish people, Neil, were not afraid of the British Empire. They took on the British Empire and drove them out. So the Irish people are not easily afraid, Neil. You're saying that there was no fear within families of the church I, 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 or the I, Irish no, priests? I grew up here in the north side of the city. I had no fear of the Catholic Church, okay. Neil. Okay. Never whatsoever. They enhanced my youth, Neil, okay. to be honest with you. Yeah. And they enhanced many of my neighbours' youth. I never had any fear of the, of the priest, Neil. Okay. Or, or, no, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying you couldn't say that there was individuals who might have been the most pleasant to you. That's the same in every part of society, oh, no, Neil. I know that. I know there were good priests, absolutely. Oh, excellent and I, priests. And I, know, had, and, and I knew and know them. I'm not disputing that. But You had that priest the other day who retired and I didn't even know he was from Cork, that brother Kevin, who's been feeding the, the thousands in Dublin for years. Brother Kevin, the Capuchin friar, friar. And he is retiring back now to Cork. He's earned his rest. He's in his 80s. And he's been feeding the people of Dublin the but homeless. But just saying it's not without its criticism. That's all. I mean, oh, you yes, of course you have to. It's a human church, Neil. So there's bound to be people in it who are uh, below par. Of course. 
I mean, if you're talking about, you know, paedophilia, unfortunately, a lot of fathers would not be I'm I'm not honing in on any particular aspect because that would be a disservice to good priests who... Yes, yes. When you you consider... But I'd I'd be more inclined to thinking that maybe there should be gay priests, there should be women priests... You know, and that's not on the that's not on the running order of the menu for the Catholic Church anytime soon. Well, that'll be up to people much higher than me, Neil. The, 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 as you know, the, the, the Catholic Church was never a democracy. It doesn't pr- pr- uh, maintain that it's a democracy. It's a theocracy. It's ruled from the top down, Neil. Mm. So the Pope and the Cardinals will decide the future of the Catholic Church. Not me, Neil. Yeah. Not an ordinary Catholic. I have no say in the matter. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, but, people, uh, should, maybe people should have a say and not leaving it to people who are very, very old and very, very set in their ways. The world's a different place outside the four walls of the Vatican and all its wealth and pomp and ceremony. Is it, is it, uh, when I'm thinking about my, I'm thinking about society here, Neil, when I was growing up in Cork in the 50s and the church had a lot of influence, society was much better, Neil. I'm looking at, I, I'm looking at things in the last few weeks and I'm going to mention any case now, Neil, horrors that I couldn't believe could happen in Ireland. Horrendous murders every single day, one worse than the next. And these were not some happening of, when some, I was going. No way they were happening. Some of the well, you don't know that. Some are, some of those are psychiatric issues where the people are literally in need of very serious psychiatric intervention. Didn't yeah, get well, it I think that's also a little bit too much used as an excuse, Nigel, for bad behaviour ah, sometimes. Yeah, but some of the stories that you're referring to, nobody in their right mind would do that. Do that? They just well, wouldn't. They, they weren't happening when the church had influence, Neil. How do you they know? Had influence on young people. How do you know? Should the church control the newspapers and everything? They <laughs> you, you couldn't do much in Cockner when I was growing up. You wouldn't know about it, Neil. If we had a murder in Ireland in my day, it would be talked about for the next two years. So why, there, years. why then is there more people killing each other and more rapes and assaults and more drug issues? Is it a lack of religion? Yes, of course. It, 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 it coinciding with the lack of influence now of the Catholic Church. I'm, I'm no doubt in my mind about it, Neil. Uh, we have this new... Um, uh, philosophy now, this left liberal philosophy coming from Europe in which people say, you can do whatever you but, like, but, to whomever you like. But sure, maybe it has nothing to do with religion. Maybe it has to do with the rearing of them. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 there's no question about that as well, Neil. Yeah. There's too much indulging our children. They're indulged too much, which is not good for them, Neil. Uh, they, they get this sense of entitlement uh, and they go into the schools then and they say, I can do whatever I like to whomever I like. I can bully whoever I like. And we know that bullying is at epidemic proportions now in schools, Neil. And young children have taken their own lives. What about all of the people that are living here that aren't Catholic? Where are they supposed to go? Oh, sure, they're very welcome, Neil. I mean, uh, if, if, to see that what, I, what, I, what I can't understand is I would have no problem if I was an atheist today and I was raising a child, I'd have no problem going to a Catholic school. He'd have to, he'd have to live with these people anyway later on. He'd have to go out and work in jobs with them. He'd have to work with a Muslim who prays five times a day. He'd be telling you about the Feast of Ramadan, which he has to f- fast for 40 days. Yeah. You've got to work with these people later on in offices. So you have to have an understanding of but them. But if 80, Neil. let's say 80% of the census is saying that people take the box Catholic. Why aren't the masses jammed? I'm, I'm only playing devil's advocate with you here, James, in case people say that I'm ramming anything down. Oh, I fully appreciate that. Yeah, you're, 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 obliged, you're obliged by the <laughs> broadcasting authority to do that, Neil. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. That is the case. But why aren't the churches jammed? Well, uh, of course, there is a lot of uh, distractions now for young people. There's a lot of things happening, Neil, that weren't happening in my day. Uh, and, uh, of course, there's no question about it, the reputation, the damage that was done by the 
miscreants in the Catholic Church has done terrible damage to reputation. It naturally has driven people away, Neil, yeah. uh, unfortunately. And to see if you're growing up today as a young person... But if I had a business, a, a multinational business, a huge big corporation, and my products started to fail, right? And I wasn't selling things on the shelf like I was, and it was rapidly diminishing. I would investigate as to how I could get popular again. Why, why isn't yeah, the church? Well, why isn't I, I the church do that? Like people don't really go to mass so much. They don't go to confession. Uh, you don't go to confraternity. They don't really do. Um, you know. Well, you know all, uh, all of the traditional uh, ceremonies of yesteryear. As you know, Neil. Things go out of fashion for a long time and then they come back. Did I ever think I'd see my record collection back in fashion, Neil? <laughs> my, my LPs are back I, in yeah, fashion. Yeah. But what's it going to take for the Catholic Church to be back in fashion? Uh, well, this Pope is doing his best, Neil. Nobody, can, nobody could accuse this Pope of not being, uh, reaching out to different people. He is very popular with the young. He's doing his best within the constraints of what he can do. And uh, I think most people, uh, even people who are not... Uh, religious have a certain amount of admiration for Pope Francis Neil. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks, James, as always. Thank you, Jenny, Jenny, good morning. Appreciate your call, James. Jenny, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Your thoughts, please. I was just uh, messaging and I said uh, I don't agree with them getting rid of the religion out of schools, out of primary schools. Mm. Mm. Why? I just don't, I don't agree with it. Why do we have to accommodate, like, everybody who comes into our country and to take away our, our beliefs and our culture. Literally, our Catholic, the Catholic culture is built into our language. The is how we say hello. Yeah, there, it's not necessarily people coming into our country. Uh, we all know many, many Irish people born and reared and bred here who are not religious or don't have a Catholic faith. Oh, I, I, I believe that. I know. I, I, in, in our, even in our, even in our families, that too. is the case. Oh yeah, I know there's a lot of people who are atheists and they don't believe in God and that's their right to believe in what they want, but they're coming to Irish schools as the Catholic schools, you know, and they want to take the religion out of the school. And my main, my main thing was, fine, if you want, if you're against the religion in the school, but then you want this uh, sex education to be taught and there's a lot of parents who are against the sex education to be taught. So are the parents willing to sit down and teach their children at the right age? What sex is all about and consent is all about? If if parents are being told to teach their children their religious beliefs, then I do believe they should be taught. It should be entrusted and teach their primary school children sexual. I don't. I don't agree with um, teaching the primary cycle about abortion and about gender. Because that will that that is and will continue to be a part of the curriculum within schools. Inclusivity, um, genderism, transgenderism. Um, we've moved on now from teaching them, you know, sex and body parts. It's it's much more. That was the fundamentals of it, but now it's much broader. You're against all of that. At the moment, the into the are the they're at the moment they're revising the primary school cycle and they want to bring in things about identity politics they do. and about yeah. gender and, and in, they want to teach the junior cycle. They want to teach them about identity politics and they want to get them caught up in things that they're not even intellectually ready to absorb. They're just not, their minds aren't ready to be told that. There, there was a video released but last are their year. Minds, are February. their minds ready then to be indoctrinated into a, a, a very, very strict religion then and religious beliefs? But the way it's taught in school is very, even in my child's particular school, there's children in the class that aren't Catholic and their parents are happy for them to be there. 
and the children get a blessing if they want. There is one pair, there's actually one family that are totally against Catholics and they're happy for their child to be in class and for them to to get a blessing if that's what the child but the wants. Sen- yeah, but they're the sense I'm getting... Seven. Yeah, but the sense I'm getting this morning is parents actually don't want children who aren't Catholic in their schools. They don't even want them there, never mind tolerate them. They're saying... Go no, somewhere else. I don't think that, Neil. I don't think that. I'm just saying, like, wait, when we're when when this radical sex education is being brought in, parents aren't being given the option to opt their child out of it. They're just told there's not going to be an alternative for them. Like the same with the religion, the people who aren't Catholic are expected to sit at the back of the class, but then the parents who are against this radical RC, they're told remove your child from the school. It's tough. It's being taught. How come it's okay to teach them um, sexual education, like very intricate? Uh, sensitive subjects uh, teach them stuff like that. It's okay for them to teach them stuff like that, but it's not okay for. Well, them it's about it's br- it's religion, about you know? it's about preparing them for puberty and body changes and emotional but changes in, and in, sexual in, urges. In four, how to and six, they talk about your body body parts, and if you look up at the mm-hmm. at the moment, the education that's being taught, the curriculum. It deals with all that. It deals about like puberty, and it talks to them about that. But they want to start talking to them about gender ideology and trans people at the age of two, three, four, five, six. I was a prime. I was a preschool teacher and childcare worker for fifteen years. And children at that age, they're not being told at the junior cycle, even before primary school, they're not being taught about religion. Yeah. But they want to bring in sex education. How, band, how are your thoughts then on puberty blockers for a six, seven, or an eight-year-old? Well, they're coming out saying that they're reversible and it does no harm when, in fact, Tavistock has been shut down and there's been there's been massive investigations. There's going to be a landslide of children, parents that are actually going to be suing because these, there's, there's so many children that have regrets that they took these okay. medicines when they were, weren't mentally okay. ready so, to make a decision. Uh, they're right, at just, the age of 16 being just, given, the, given the choice, you know. Yeah, well, it's changed in the UK, actually. But and in, uh, February, Neil, in February in 2020, the Irish National Teachers Organisation, the INTO, held a two-day equality conference in, we- in Wexford, inviting Ellie Barnes as a keynote speaker. Okay, uh, I'm over time. I need and to Barnes, wrap on that point. But Ellie Barnes, anyway, she's the CEO of Educate, Educate and Celebrate, and she came out... And at the at the at the conference, and she told the teachers not to inform parents of the proposed new relationships and sexual sexuality education. You know that I'm going to have to check that point, Jenny. But thank you that for is, it all the that same. That is actually true. Okay. I know. And but then you, you, at the end, Fergal Brohan said that he would implement Ellie Barnes' recommendation. Okay. All right. I'll pick it up after eleven. Covered a lot of ground. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news, and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on Red FM. Finally, a coffee shop owner has implemented a dress code for customers after two turned up in their nightwear. According to the Irish Mirror, the women wore fleece pyjamas and slippers when they arrived for breakfast at Sage and Stone in Dulik, County Meath. Cafe owner Kira Burke has now banned sleepwear from her cafe. Kira says the women involved were having breakfast in her place before heading to catch a flight. I arrived in after dropping the kids to school, not in my pyjamas, by the way, and... Uh I had two women being served by my lovely staff who were all suited and booted and in their clean uniforms and they were serving two women in pyjamas, dressing gowns and slippers on their holidays on the way to the airport. They were going to New York so they were going in their pyjamas and they were, um, that's, that's the way they were going. Your thoughts? Before I let you go? Because um, Texas here are very much 
on the side of the cafe owner on this one. Okay, I have to admit, I have pulled on a jacket over my pyjamas, my fleecy pyjamas with snowmen and everything on them and dropped the kids to school. Not but a bother. I, but I wouldn't get out of the car and, and I'm always dreading that, oh my God, this would be the day I'll get a puncture. Look, you didn't have an accident. Yeah, or anything. I know I'd be mortified. So what have you got on? You have pyjamas on? So I've my pyjamas on, my slippers and I've my fleecy jacket. <laughs> Why do people <laughs> shop in them though, Dan? I couldn't do that, Neil. I'd be mortified. Or a cafe or whatever. No, like. the cafe's kind of worse because that's like, you're going to be there for an hour. And, and why do people have a problem with it? Is it? A, do they think it's unhygienic? It I mean, after bit, all, it's only clothing, you know? It's a bit manky. You've slept in them. Some people, it's a fashion statement. Uh, pajamas aren't a fashion statement. No, 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 they can't be a fashion statement. No, they're not. Like pajamas are like you know they're tartan or they're they're snowmen or they you know they're, they're Christmas jammies. <laughs> like you can't go out for coffee in those. So no to the coffee, no to lunch, no to going to the cinema. No, I no wouldn't even go to the shop. No, I wouldn't even go to the shop in them. I drop the kids to school in them and dread that I'm going to meet somebody that I know that'll do a whole hi. Going, oh, please don't look below my That's, jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have to be antisocial and pretend you don't see it. Very them. much. It's a fast wave and sunglasses on and boot off as quick as I can. And every time you do it, then you probably regret doing it. <laughs> of course I do. And I'm always, if I just got up 10 minutes earlier and uh, the kids, I got dressed, it would have been fine. I wouldn't have felt so embarrassed. All right, mind yourself. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Yeah, you know, we were talking earlier this morning about the big uh, truck, that was massive big truck pulling a big load behind it uh, trying to make the turn at the bottom of Richmond Hill. It's not the first time actually, uh, Seamus tracked down in 2019, a crane was required for a truck that got wedged in the same tight corner and there was traffic mayhem again at the bottom of Richmond Hill. It wasn't the first time uh, and possibly won't be the last. Some are blaming um, GPS for this. They're blaming uh, Google Maps and what have you. I saw a text this morning saying just that. It's the girl giving out the instructions on your uh, Google Maps and your phone is to blame, not you. And making the point that particularly if it's an overseas driver that may not know the city centre, and uh, thinks that it's possible to get around some of the streets when it actually isn't. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. I'll come back to, I'm not leaving this topic, I'm really not, but I just want to mix things up a little bit if I can, and I'll come back then to schools and educating in schools and religion in schools and stuff like that. I was mentioning earlier on this morning, though, and this is a great Cork connect- connection because there is a new Cork-based startup now that um, has a new app. It's called Trustapp. Um, and it will help people to combat online accommodation scams. God knows there isn't a week goes by that I don't get an email from somebody who's been scammed. And again, if it seems too good to be true, then it probably isn't true. But unfortunately, scammers, because they they throw their nets so wide, they always catch people and you can never get your money back from them, right? Until now, um, there is a possibility that you could. And I was mentioning earlier in the week that the French Embassy and the French Department of Foreign Affairs are actually warning people coming to either study or to work in Ireland that Ireland has a big problem with scams, particularly when it comes to rental accommodation. People getting scammed, losing their deposits. Sometimes you'd lose more than just a month's deposit. Some people now are even willing to pass on the deposit and three months rent in advance. So you can see that it really is the Wild West. So this Cork-based startup is called uh, TrustApp, and its CFO is Mark Boylan, joins me by phone. Mark, good morning. Hey, Neil, how are you? I was very keen to hear some more about this when the lads mentioned it, because anything would help people to keep their money, or at least get it back if they've been duped. How does it work? 
Yeah, so Trustapps is like a transaction platform which is designed to protect like both buyers and sellers when they're, you know, buying or selling online with strangers, people they don't know. So essentially like what we do is we hold the money in the middle until all transactional kind of milestones are finished until both sides are happy. So taking the example you're talking about, like a rental um, scam or a property, um, what we do is we hold the buyer's money, verify the buyer, um, keep it in the middle until they get the keys or until they sign the lease of the apartment until all is legit. So the money doesn't actually get passed to the seller until the buyer is happy with gotcha. the product. So, we, we, we used to call that, I don't know if the term is still used in Ireland, escrow, isn't it? it it's parked in the middle by a third party until both sides are happy and then the transaction is closed. Would, would this work not just save, because clearly now it's bank transfers or in this world now, Revolut very much, isn't it? You can't get your money back from them though, she can't. Exactly. So like escrow, the theory of escrow has been around for years, you know, and what we're trying to do is bring it to like everyday transactions. So not just higher value items such as houses and, um, you know, buying cars and stuff like that. What we're doing is we're bringing this into your everyday thing. So you're, you mentioned bank transfer. We obviously take bank transfer. We also do it for smaller value items with credit card and debit card. So, you know, think of your your done deal sort of transaction where you're buying off something for a few hundred quid from someone you don't know. Again, we can facilitate that transaction on trust app by holding the money in the middle yeah. until your items got delivered or something like that. You know? So that might necessarily be um, a month's rent and a deposit. It could be something you bought on done deal or something on Facebook Marketplace as an example, could it? Yeah, exactly. So it's any items. We've kind of a few different models for whether the item's been shipped or whether the item's been handed over in person. So, you know, it's, what we say is any sort of transaction where you're you're not too sure of the other party, we're, we're very much uh, positioned to, play, to to help you with that one, you know. So how, how can it work, though, if the seller in, in, a, in a seller's market or a renter's market doesn't want to do that? Should that be a red flag? Exactly. So coming back to the, the rental scams you're talking about, sometimes if it, if it seems too good to be true, it actually is. So like if the seller is a legitimate seller, there's, there's no fees at all associated for them in using trust apps. So there's no reason why they shouldn't want to use it. And um, so what we've also, what we've often found is if a buyer is looking to do a transaction on trust app and the seller turns around and goes, no, I don't want to do that. It's often a pretty big red flag that they're actually a scammer themselves yeah, because, yeah. as I mentioned, there's nothing, there's no fees inhibiting it for them. How, how do you how do you make money out of it, though, Mark? Yeah, so we, we we charge a small percentage on the buyer's end, what we call our buyer protection fee. So you know, depending on the amount um, been transacted, that can range from three percent for lower value items to all the way down to kind of one percent and below for higher value items. So yeah, if you're yeah. for something like a car or something, we can we can do it with bank transfer for lower prices. But yeah, we we just take a small cut for, for the buyer protection fee. And did did you find this exclusive gap in the market that nobody else had plugged? Yeah, like it, it the company came about from kind of experiences we had ourselves. So Connor Lydon, who's the sole founder, um, was going over and back to Liverpool for football matches and you know, he'd have his flight, his accommodation all sorted. And then the one thing he always struggled with was the match tickets because you're buying them from someone you don't know. Um, and he he actually went up to up to the Gates Anfield one day, scanned his ticket, turned out to be a scam. And he was like, surely there's a better way of buying something from someone I don't know. And it turned out there wasn't. Um, and you know, like we've all like we've all been in positions where you're meeting someone. You know, I've sold my car in a dark car park at 
10 o'clock at I night know. and have to meet them in a train station and you know they're handing over a wad of cash to you and you're very exposed yeah and know, there's other stories like area. that I mean one of the more recent ones was the guy who thought he was buying um uh, an Apple iPhone at a greatly reduced price and got the box from some fella at a train station and it, it felt weighty enough to have a phone in it but when he got it home there's no phone I don't know was there a brick exactly. in it or something Exactly. So like in, in our platform, what you have is as the buyer, you have kind of a 24 hour complaints period to inspect the item. And if, if in that case where the phone has been sent, say it was been shipped or posted to them, um, they, they have 24 hours to check out their item as soon as the item is delivered at their door and they can lodge a complaint. It's not what they thought it was going to be. So yeah. Again, yeah. their money doesn't get released to the seller unless they actually know uh, they're getting what they what they paid for. Yeah. yeah, I wonder would some say, yeah, I could download it, I could sell it to you using TrustApp, but you know what, it's not worth the hassle. If you're not interested in the accommodation, I'll just give it to the next person. I can't be bothered with it. You know, that's the... Yeah, like, you might, you might get a bit of that, I suppose, but, like, at the end of the day, it's also a bit of responsibility on landlords to ensure that their, their properties are safe for, for buyers too, you know. It's all over the news at the moment that, that people are getting scammed and I feel particularly for the people you were mentioning from France coming over yeah. paying much earned deposit to, to get a house and not knowing know actually there, and they, like somebody going in here from overseas would take everything at face value wouldn't they they, they probably wouldn't exactly. even know of shortages exactly like and it's, it's obviously very topical here at the moment the, the issues with renting and, and buying houses but abroad it mightn't be and again these are people who have worked very hard to get to to get to the stage where they get accepted into a court, college course, save their hard-earned money, and then they pay and it's gone. So mm. it's, it's terrible in these situations mm. happen, you know. Mm. It's a core company, isn't it? Uh, you're Clearly, we were rolling this out internationally, I'd imagine, yeah? Exactly, yeah. So we're, we're a core, core-based startup. And we've been kind of on the journey for the last couple of years, and we're really kind of rolling it out now to, to the market last six to, six to nine months, and it's seen great traction so far. So... It's not just based in, in Ireland. We've um, transactions all around the world and from Europe, further afield in the States. Uh, we've a big partner in Malaysia as well. So, Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's getting pretty worldwide. Brilliant, brilliant. Congratulations on the startup. You're well on your way. Easily downloadable. It's a free app called Trust App. You get wherever you get your apps. For me, it would be uh, in Play Store. I guess there's an equivalent in Apple, isn't there? Something like that? Yeah, it's on, it's on the, the App Store and it's on Google Play. So it's, um, it's available on all the, all the usual places. One less way of putting uh, people at the risk of scammers and con artists. Well done, Mark. Thanks for taking the call. Congratulations. Right. Best of luck Thanks with the app. Know. All right. Take care. Mark Boylan, CFO of Trust App. Um, you should spread that message, actually, because that is a great idea. Somewhere in the middle where the money just sits until everybody is happy. Because God knows when you get scammed, you go looking for it back or you get onto the bank. Uh, you know, I mean, some people do have some success. You might have some success with your credit card. Um, you know, not always with your bank, with your credit card, but they can reverse some of the transactions, but not always. So, Trust App, Cork-based, new startup. Check it out. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, just a quick update with regards to Boo, the dog. Some wonderful people got in touch. Marion, Laura, Kevin, Jer, Michael, Andy, Edward, all wanting to bring Boo to the vet. And then, of course, Edward was due to pick up Boo in Fernandes from Dan and his wife and bring him to deck the vet in the interim period uh, we were contacted by the CSPCA Vincent Cashman regular contributor to this program called us and he said they're going to head out to Dan in Fernandes they're going to collect Boo bring him to deck the vet huge thanks to everybody who contacted us and in particular to Edward who would have been on his way there already Dan's been back to us and he says Boo has just been taken to the vets by the CSPCA 
He's very upset. Um, doesn't have to come back on the air. It's just too upsetting for him. He says he's very grateful to everyone who got in touch. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you all. That's the kindness of Cork people. So if there's an update on Boo's condition this morning, I'll bring it to you. If not, it will be in the morning. But thank you to everybody who got involved. Vincent from the CSPCA has collected Boo. And uh, at this stage, I'd say could well be in Deck the Vets and Boo is being checked out. Fingers crossed, as the fellow says. Meanwhile, back to the phone lines we go for now. June, good morning. Good morning, Nate. I'm bumping you ahead to the top of the queue, the queue jumper that you are, because you're under a bit of pressure. Um, I am. I'm a healthcare worker, so I need to be up here. All right, <laughs> okay. Well, just for the record, you bumped Bobby out of the way because Bobby robbed his buddy's girlfriend. So more about that in a minute. But tell me about your own first date on oh. side and how it went. Okay. Um, I met my husband 30 years ago. Um, I went to a disco called the Pear Sheiks up in the north side. Yeah. Um, I went along with my niece and she was she wanted to get with his brother and begged me to go on a dance with him. How and old were you? I, I was 15. How old was your niece? She was a year younger than me. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just to shut her up, I said, okay, I'll go for a dance. So I went for a dance and I kept Wait, my She wanted in. one guy and she wanted you to dance with the brother of the guy she fancied. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. yes. Yeah. So... So to make long story short, um, went out for a dance and I kept my head turned and didn't know no more. He came at me with a mouth wide open, ready to kiss me. Oh, that's not the way to handle it. Yes, so I was... He probably knew no better than his fortune. Yeah, I was devastated and um, I saw him around afterwards and he called me, he called me a nickname called Zipper Mouse for years. (laughs) And because I wouldn't kiss him back, and I met him at other discos, St. Francis Hall disco. And um, so he had the same crack there, was he in the Francis Hall? Was he? I was kind of used to he was a bit cheeky, so I was kind of preparing myself what he's going to try next, like you know. So, no, no, all good. We're like, we're together 30 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 of course, the backstory includes that you did fall in love with Felix. I did, I did. He's my rock, and you know we've two beautiful sons, and you know, you know everything is good, everything is great. Did he br- he broke you down. He wore you down, did he? Oh yeah, he's a charmer. He's a charmer. What? Yes. I mean, yes, what yes. was it that did it for you? In spite of him coming at you with his mouth, I mean, when did well, you realise uh, there might be something in this? Um, probably it took me a good few weeks to kind of like get over him, like coming at me with a kiss on the first date because I. You know, I wasn't that kind of a girl. I liked to go out and dance and go kissing. And so I saw him around because my niece started dating the brother and um, we were kind of in each other's company. And, you know, he charmed me and we're here 30 years together still in love. You'd, and you do hear of very young love that stands the test of time. I'm not saying just Romeo and Juliet, but 15's quite young to get a life partner, isn't it? Yes, yes. Oh, he's one, all right. He's a keeper. He's yeah. a keeper. Yeah. He, yes, the first yes. became the last, if you like. Oh, yeah, 100%. We're best friends. We're, you know, husband and wife. We're, you know, we're everything. Love it. Great story. Traced all the way yeah. back to Napierschig's disco and then on to St. Francis Hall. They were yeah. Francis Hall was popular, wasn't it? Yeah, and we went to Spiders. And <laughs> sure, everywhere we could get into when we were young, we, we, we tried it. And we, you know, we had great times. Great, great stuff. Times, you great, know? great, great. So we share a lot of past, you know, so it's great. Well done, June. Thanks for sharing the story. Catherine's standing by. But first off, Bobby Field, uh, the girlfriend robber. Bobby, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you, bud? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you stole someone <laughs> else's girl, is it? 
<laughs> yeah, I go back to 1965, Neil. I was a, a trainee butcher in Denley at the start. It was in Gerald Street. So right. I was there to cut my finger in the slaughterhouse, and um, I was walking up Gerald Street, and I see this beautiful creature, and she running up from the shop and turning around, coming back down again. I said, oh, my Jesus, she's nice. <laughs> you know, but anyway, I get out of the shop, anyway. I went off to Norton family and got a couple of stitches and back to work, and I just couldn't get her over my head, so... I met the buddy that night, and I was telling him, I said, regardless, a lovely bum, I said, I'm looking for long black hair, you know? <laughs> he says, where was she going? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I said, she went up to the small shop, I said, she came back down, the whole floor, the arch, and I'm going out, what, he says? Oh, yeah, I said. You're what? He said, well, I'm going out with her. I'm going out, what, he says? I said, when did you meet her? He says, I met her during the week. He says, now we have a date from next day, uh, Thursday, I think it's Thursday night, blowing the arch. <laughs> so I said, Grand, I said, I tell you straight now. I said, I'll wipe your eye with her. I said, I said, I'm at the fence, you know. Her. I'll wipe I your eye with her. Down, that yeah. was probably the show band days in the arc, right? Oh, tried. Oh, yeah, Dickie Rock and them all. Like, yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, yeah, make a long story short, and anyway, <laughs> he went off over and there the date, and he said he got on Grand Roll. So about a week after, anyway, he came up and he said, Look, I have a date, and when's the night beyond the arc? He said, Sorry, beyond the city hall. He said, Will you, um, Will you go down and say to me? I said, why? <laughs> he said, I'm after getting a job below the chip and the shandest reasons. And he said, I'll have, cha- have a chance to get to be the manager there, you see? <laughs> I said, you're only 15 years of age, mate. I'll be a chance, he said, if I get in there. He said, I do your manage, your manage very good. So, and I said, but I said, Richard, I said, the point is, I said, if I can get that girl on my side, I said, I, said, I don't, know, don't even know her name. Her name is Peggy, he says. Oh, that's grand. But I said, I, I tell you, no, I said, we're not going to follow her over this. I said, if I'm going to take that girl, I said, that's tough shit in your life. <laughs> oh, he says, yeah, yeah, you know, your job is one part, he said. <laughs> well, that's the truth, so that was all I am. Well, he must have been off his head, though, to agree to that. He could have got another buddy to go to the city hall and kept you out of the picture, you know? I know. Kept the Jeez, girlfriend on side. We're best friends. Yeah, but you warned him, like, if you got a chance, you take her from right. him. Yeah, but I'd say he might have been half interested. You know, River, More interested River, in the bags of chips. Well, I suppose well, geez, he was mad about walking the chipper. He, he loved walking. He, he walked the chipper years after that. Like. Did he end up managing it in the end? Oh, he did. He did. Fair, fair play, play to Fair but, play um, to I went up to City Hall anyway, and I missed herself. And there she was. So. Did she know she did you were coming instead? Like. Did she know you were coming instead of him? No. Oh, God. Oh, the clown never told her. <laughs> so I went over, I said, look, I said, Richard can't turn up tonight, but I said, he asked me to meet you. All right, she said. So I we started dancing, started. So we went for a bottle of orange anyway, you know, there was no drink that thing. No, no. Don't um, so say no for a bottle of orange. Look, I said, I put my cards on the table now, can I talk to you? I said, I don't tell lies, but I said, I don't tell stories. But I said, I want you to be my girlfriend. I said, if you would prefer Richard, that's grand. Keep it up. I said, Would you like bring you home after? No problem. I said, I'd rather you be my girlfriend. <laughs> she, I, I, I fancy you too, she said. <laughs> I said, Grand. So I said, Is that it? So I said, You're my girlfriend? No, I am, she said. <laughs> You're my boyfriend. So I said, Grand. So we danced away the night anyway. Another bottle of orange table. She was from Irie's in Castleton Beer and asking me about to put my hand and she was checking my hand and all after a few stitches, you know, feeling sorry for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the butcher's <laughs> stitches. Yeah. I said, You're a man of good thing here, like. So <laughs> I was I walking home anyway, finishing so the highest. No, I said, We got the keys there. I said, Because I, I can't to Richard. Oh, no, she's okay, can't. Why not? I said, I said, He's up the chip in his hand. We get a free bag of chips, I said. <laughs> <laughs> she says, uh, I'm sure I'd be embarrassed. And look, I see you stand above the chip shop and I'll go and I tell him. 
top and he in the shining street and shoot up above the chipper and I went in. So what chipper was it? Do you know what chipper that was? Oh, jeez, I can't remember. Right. Murphy, it was, um, Michael Murphy was his name. But I don't know, he had not name over it. It was down the very end, down next to the, next to the, the skin store. All right, so Richard's is inside, behind the counter. Oh, he's inside, on his own. So I went in, he started smiling at you. I think you're going to have to pull his head, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. And I said, you're gone. Yeah, that's all right. He's that sorry. Right. Mind you, are happy. He's that sorry. Right. So I said, You are happy, dear. He said, I am. So I said, Grand, give me a bag of chips. No, I said, No money, because I spent all the money in the arms for the Belong City Hall. He gave me the bag of chips, and we went up, and she says, No, I said, He's Grand. So that was all right. And so that was that, then. That was 1965. I got married in 68, and this was my best man. Unbelievable. Oh, oh, he was the best oh, man. Yeah. yeah. He's Richard, my best man, and he's my he's my first child, Tina, my daughter Tina. He's her godfather. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. So you what are you fifty seven years together with Peggy? Then we're fifty seven years together. That's yeah. an, uh, that's just a fabulous story. And did Richard ever find a girl? Oh jeez, yeah, God help you. He better did two or three years ago. Joan, a lovely, lovely girl. Oh, oh God, he married he, he married Joan later, but he didn't. Jesus, Richard didn't get married. And Christ, he was well into his age when he got married. Like, right. which was in there. The time I was only eighteen when I got married. Eighteen. We were only eighteen. Yeah, we were married sixty-eight. Go away. We were fifty. We met. We were only fifty. We met in sixty-five. We were only sixty. We were only eighteen. There were my family in Peacock Lane was in for level last. Peacock Lane. Peacock Lane, yeah. I'll be yeah. darn and oh, well. And did your folks say to you, wait a few years? They said I was crazy. But look, I want to get married and that was it. So. And you'd served they your time. You, you qualified as a butcher and everything. So you yeah. were working away. So why not, I suppose? Well, the funny thing about that, then, I gave up the butchering in 60 and I went driving a lorry. I was driving a lorry in 2019. <laughs> great story. I was driving a lorry in 2019. Oh I was nearly God. 50 years driving. 51 years driving Larry's. And does that. Peggy know you're sharing the story this morning? She does? Oh, she's out there, outside there with a big smile. I'm delighted. It's great to relive <laughs> happy memories. No, I know. She's getting, she's getting ready now to go to the ear dresser. She <laughs> she's dead right too. Oh, she is. She is. She's uh, over 70. No, she can do what she wants. <laughs> she's what? Over what? Over 70, is it? She, she's over 70. No, she's 73. No, she can do what she wants. Well, they say that. Women should be able to do whatever they want at any age, I oh, suppose. Oh, she's in. Look at the smile on her face. I'm delighted it has. It's lovely chatting. Thanks so much for sharing it, Bobby. Stay you listening. Hello, Tony. <laughs> she there? She's there now. Say hello. Good morning, Neil. Peggy, it's a pleasure talking to you, having heard so much about your life already. <laughs> what a crazy life. Come all, the ways up, come all the ways from Castletown there for that. Oh, my God. And can you recall those events of him? Did oh, you know absolutely. that he, did he know that he had just spotted in Blackpool? No, I didn't. No. You hadn't, you hadn't, you hadn't noticed him? Or, he was very forward and he was very honest and open with you, wasn't he? He was, but I mean, he stuck out from the rest of them. <laughs> what about poor old Richard, though, inside in the chipper? Well, Richard, we, we actually drank with Richard and his wife after we used, we used to meet up with them. And it's we used a, to have a great time. It's a beautiful story. He told it so well. And how's life been for you? Good? Great, very good. Couldn't be better. I'm delighted. We're on our own here in, at the moment, and, and we go away every weekend. We go down to Castletown Bear, uh, down to my mum. She's 97 years of age. Oh, my God, 97. Isn't yeah, that amazing? All, uh, yeah, all my family are down there, so it's great to go away for the weekends. And what were you doing that day on the north side of Cork City? Oh, I went to school here. I went to a place called Miss Haynes inside in the Grand Parade. Right, yeah. It was yeah. 
um, short hand typing. Sectarial stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I have, after six months, I got a job in Morrissey's, the solicitors in South Mile. Great story. And were you in digs then on Blackpool or what? I was staying with my aunt in the Commons Road. Um, Garda Downey was his name. Oh, lovely. Garda Downey. So you're off to the hairdressers now, and rightly so. <laughs> I am, Neil, yeah. And your ma'am, 97. That's a yeah, magical been... age, isn't it? What's the secret, yeah. I wonder? I don't know. She said to the jeans, but she, I don't think she gave them to me. Well, don't say that. You're hale and hearty. You drive on for another what? 20 or 30 years, why don't you? Well, her ma'am, Neil, was 105. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, I love it. Listen, it's a pleasure talking to you, Peggy, and to Bobby as well. Thank you, Neil. Thank you so much. Lovely couple. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Okay. Now, a lot of other calls and texts which we'll pick up in the morning, particularly the conversations we had earlier on. We got a 500 euro voucher for the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road every day this week. We're having some cracking stories on this. Where did you go on your first Cork date and how did it go? And boy, people are sharing great stories. So a 500 euro voucher. Bear in mind when you go to the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road, They've got a huge range of stock for immediate delivery. There's no long waiting lists like unfortunately can happen. Free delivery, free assembly. They'll even freely remove your old furniture for you. So it's a win-win all round. Enough of me. Back to the phone lines we go. Patrick is standing by. Catherine, good morning. Good morning. So as a, I'm good, thanks. As a 17-year-old, the beat on the street, was that the 80s or the early 90s? It was a 2FM thing out the Lee Fields, wasn't it? It was, it was. It was the 90s. The 90s, probably early 90s. The 2FM DJs would come down and bands would play and they'd have a big open-air disco. It was free, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. It was 1996. Oh, was it that late? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so that was your first date. Tell me about it. Um, my, my friend asked Patrick out for me and we said that we go to be on the street and we'd meet each other out there. So we did, and like that now, we had a um, great time, rocked the night away, but it was thick in muck. Ah, but hold on a night. second now. You looked a million bucks because you really had done yourself up and went to town, didn't you? I did. I had a white top, always remember, a blue skirt and white wedge-heeled shoes. How come you even remember what you were wearing? I just do. It was such a brilliant night. I just remember it. God Almighty, I could never, ever have recall like that in any aspect of a day or night or an event. It's amazing. <laughs> it must have stuck yeah. out. Anyway, you were delighted with yourself going out there. Did it rain? It, it was uh, raining earlier on in the, um, the day, so that's why the whole place then was full of muck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you must have looked a sight by the end of it. Oh, if you saw the condition of the two of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Part of that was buying a brand new pair of Nike runners and they had to go in the bin. What, did you ever hear of the washing machine, no? Oh, they were that bad. They couldn't have gone into the washing machine. You wouldn't have lifted the stains. But on a first date, did you know that he was the man for you, even at that age? Definitely, definitely. We just clicked. And the rest is history. When did you marry? We married... 16 years ago, 2006. Kids? September 2006. Children? Yeah, uh, three children, two girls and a boy. And a grandchild on the way. A grandchild on the way from March. We're Isn't so that excited. amazing? That's, life moves along so quick, doesn't it? 
so quickly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your buddy, do you thank her for teaming you up with Patrick? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the case now, but years ago, other people set up dates, wasn't it? It was always a friend who set up the date with a fellow or a girl or there might be somebody who fancied somebody and a guy would tag along and go out with the partner, with the friend, you know? Wasn't that the way? That was, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you, you, but it didn't always work out for a lot of people, of course, but there was, in your case, <laughs> it was a chance worth taking. Yeah, definitely. That was 27 years ago. Fair play. I love it. I love these stories. Thanks, Catherine. Stay listening. Uh, Lauren is standing by. Just hang, see how I'm going for time here. It's okay. Patrick and Fromoy. Patrick, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay. Uh, are you, you're you in Fromoy, but were, were you, when you were younger, down Kinsale Way, was it? I wouldn't say younger. No, it was three years ago, yeah. <laughs> Why do I think that it has to be 30 or 40 years ago? Sorry, I know, yeah. This, yeah. Is a, this is a recent uh, story. It was down in Kinsale there it was a, in a pub called Kitty O'Shea's. I don't know if you know it, but... Um, don't know it. Closed it. Down now. Um, I think the owner passed away during the COVID, so I think it's closed down. I'm, I'm not fully sure. But we, we went down into Kitty O'Shea's there anyway, myself and Lane. We only knew each other about a week. Where were you travelling so we from? We were travelling, we were from the north side there, like. Okay, okay. There. Yeah. So we were travelling down, we went for a lovely long walk. We said we'd go to Kitty O'Shea's for something to eat. So we went in first anyway, and there was a kind of a small seating area up the back. And they had these tiny little uh, chairs, like the ones in Junior Infants, you know. So we were, <laughs> we were already uh, laughing our heads off at the size of the chairs. But we had the best, the best day ever. We had a beautiful meal. And we, then there was a band came on at about uh, 7 o'clock, a trad band. And uh, the Bulmers now was flowing at this stage and they were asking people do they want to sing or whatever. And uh, Elaine, Elaine was there. No, I, I'd be too shy now for that. <laughs> so two or three Bulmers was later anyway. She was up on stage, like Whitney Houston in her prime. Fireworks going off. And <laughs> I was like, it was like the scene in Anchorman where um, he pulled the jazz flute out of the sleeve. You know? I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not prepared for this at all. <laughs> Obviously went by and, and she sang um, Love Me by Colin Ray. But it was definitely love at first sight after that anyway. Was it, so it was the couple of Bulmers inside her got her up on the stage? I, 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 well, that's what she was saying at the time. But knowing her now, I think she a cup of tea would do, would have done. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you? Did you go up and sing? No, I got a video. I had, still have the video of her singing on my phone. That was from our first date just over three years ago. But um, we, met, we met a lovely... Um, New Zealand couple and all we're still friends with them on Facebook and they were, we were getting on so well and the day they were saying to us and how long are you married there are no couple of years and I was like I just met her yesterday <laughs> but where did you meet though I know you went to get so sale we, on the we, first we date met, yeah we, we, we kind of had a little we lay with no all my family down the years but I wouldn't have known Elaine so I kind of was mutual friends with her on Facebook and we just kind of went from it was kind of a Facebook thing that ended up we went for a coffee in uh, the Lower Glamour Road the first day we met um, in Topaz, the Lower Glamour Road, we were there for about three hours chatting. It's very and romantic, a coffee in Topaz, I have to say, it Patrick. Was, it was great. It was, one of the, it, was, you know, it was one of them chats, you know, there was nothing we didn't know about each other after it. And the they next, say that the about Sunday they say that about a first date, don't they? Particularly maybe a Tinder date or something online where you're flicking left and right. It's not a good idea on a first date to go out to dinner because you can't kind of reverse out of it if five minutes into it if... If you get well, the heebie-jeebies. I think... Where's um, a coffee you can, like? You finish yeah, the coffee. Yeah, if there was alcohol involved in the first date, I, I don't think we'd still be here. <laughs> <laughs> if there wasn't Bulmers involved. If there was. If there was Bulmers on the first date, I'd say we, we might have got to the second date. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 I kid. No, no, it was, it was, it was a great all day. We've been to Kinsale in loads since, you know. 
we've been back to Kinsale a load of times afterwards. Yeah. Maybe, it's maybe you should. May, yeah, maybe you should buy a house down there. I see in the examiner this morning. It's a lovely house for sale, actually, if you're interested in Patrick. Uh, it's yeah. um, it's called Constancia Farm on Compass Hill. Um, it's on the market for five million euro. Yeah, I'll, have, I'll check the bank there. Let me just check there, the online banking. There's another you know, one down there if you're interested in it called Raffine House in Silly. Made silly money. 4.75 million and it sold really quickly. Apparently Kinsale has the strongest house price record that it's ever had. Everybody yeah. wants to live there, particularly the well, multimillionaires. Well, wide, though, when, when the weather is good down there, like there's no better place. Like, 5.5 million? That's a lot of brass, isn't it? Yeah, some money. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. Anyway, unbelievable. great story. Thanks for sharing it. Thanks, Regards mate. to you and Thank your, you. and your wife. Bye-bye. Take care. Lorna, good morning. Hang on a second. I got the wrong phone line up here. Here it is. Lorna, my apologies. Morning to you. Hi, how are you? Okay, so he had a coffee in Topaz uh, down the low road. For you, I think it might have been a McDonald's, was it? <laughs> yeah, we went to McDonald's in Middleton. Yourself and Dylan. How, how, yeah. So how did that come about? Um, so he stalked me on Facebook through a mutual friend. Um, Did you say stalked? Yeah, well, he was at me for a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we met up and we went to we went for a spin and we decided to go to McDonald's in Middleton. Um, so when we got our food, we parked into the it's like a little covered car park area just next to Aldi. Um, but there's two entrances, there's two little barriers on either entrance, so we parked up the bottom of it just by the second entrance. Um, why, did you go into, the, why did you go into McDonald's? Sit down. I don't know, we just, decide, we just decided to, What's to the deal get with a takeaway and sit in the car. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> more romantic if you'd gone into McDonald's and sat down. No. no. It was, do you know what? I think it was late enough, so I think it was only drive-thru that it was open at the time. Maybe it's romantic to stay in the car. What maybe, do I know? Maybe, okay. yeah. Right. But as we were sitting there, we noticed that there was a man coming up to um, close the gate that was next to us. But there was another one as well down the end. But there was like, there's apartment blocks near it as well. So there was loads of other cars parked there. So we thought we'd be fine. We're like, it's grand. Like, he'll leave the other one open. He can clearly see us in the car. So we kept yeah, anyway. Sure he would, and yeah, sure, yeah. Especially for <laughs> and you. And an hour or two later passed and we went down and the two gates were locked and we couldn't get out. Hang on a second. You, you, you were you two hours in the car? Yeah. All right. So I won't go into that detail. It certainly didn't take you two hours to eat a Big Mac or anything like No, that. we were just sitting there chatting. Chatting, of course. Okay, I get it. Then you found you couldn't get out. Yeah, the two gates were locked and there was no no signs for security or um, no phone numbers to ring anybody or anything like that. So I was like a mad woman then down across the road trying to flag down a car to try and help us to get out. <laughs> <laughs> like, how could a car do? You're like, the car. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Why wasn't he doing all of this? Was he just sitting well, there? Well, he was with me as well. Like, we were both trying to flag someone down to try and help us. So did you bed down for the night in the car park? No, we ended up having to get a cab. We had to walk to the town in Middleton and um, get a taxi home. <laughs> and where was home? Well, he was from Farnery and I was from Cove. Oh, God almighty. <laughs> so would you, not, so would you not have let him stay with you? It's a shorter trip back for the car. My mum would have heart attack at the time, no way. <laughs> and what happened next? I mean, you got the car the next day and went on more well, dates? Yeah, we met up the next day and we um, went to get the car. And here we are now, six years later, and a wedding in a couple of months. Oh my God, that's exciting. 
Yeah, so it was a, it was an exciting first date. To be fair, being locked in a car park in Middleton. Yeah, <laughs> whose idea was it that McDonald's would be a good idea? I mean, I'm not him. He was McDonald's. starving. <laughs> okay, do you remember what you ordered? <laughs> no, no idea. Probably a Big Mac. <laughs> All right, you wouldn't serve Big Macs on the wedding day, no? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, <laughs> might do it cheaper though. <laughs> How are you going to do it cheaper? I said if we were to get McDonald's, it probably would have been cheaper. Oh, absolutely. But you've it all planned and everything. What is it? Turkey and ham, yeah. beef for salmon. What is it? Uh, we haven't got our meal plan yet. We haven't got food tasting. We still have another nine months left. All right, you got time yet. Okay. Well, listen, yeah. thanks for sharing the story. All the same. All right. Take care. All right. I'm going to leave it at that for now. We need to pick a winner on that. And tomorrow, Thursday, we'll have some more of those stories. So do share. We're looking for Where did you go on your first Cork date and how did it go for you? Text 0868104106. Incidentally, you can also email neil at redfm.ie. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. And before I leave you for the day that's in it, Kitty O'Shea's is still open in Kinsale, says a texter, and it is the best pub in Kinsale, apparently. So still hale and hearty and the pub is still open down Kinsale Way. I love Kinsale. It's a great spot any time of the year. Um, oh, incidentally, yes, Boo has arrived at Dex, Deck the Vets in Douglas Woolen Mills in a dog warden's van. A buddy of mine, Liam, texted me to tell me thank you for that. So he's in the good care of the vets now and hopefully all will be well. Final bit of business before I leave you for today. Um, some great stories this morning. 500 euro voucher to give away every day for the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. You get kind of an idea as to the type of stories that win these prizes don't you they're all great stories but we can only have one winner a day I don't think anybody would uh, disagree uh, that this morning's winner is is Bobby Field and his wife Peggy I think he should have been online too but I checked the line he isn't there so sorry about that Claire but if he is I'll have a quick chat with him it's a beautiful story about you know getting Peggy from out of the arms of Richard, his buddy. So a 500 euro voucher for that. Uh, Peggy's gone off to the hairdressers now, but I'm sure that Bobby will share the news with her ASAP. uh, And the two of them then can go and pick out some nice furniture to the value of uh, 500 euro, courtesy of ourselves and the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road. So keep those stories coming. Thank you to all that did it this morning. Bobby, your story was a winner, pal. Congratulations. We've got a voucher for you. Will you tell Peggy? I will. I will do it. Okay. Don't know what you'll pick out, but I'm sure you'll find something nice to go into your beautiful home. I will. And thank you so much, Neil. No, thanks for sharing the story. Regards to you, to Peggy, and to Richard. All right. Thanks, Amelia. God bless. I'll have to ring him tonight. Tell him in case he's not listening. <laughs> if you tell Richard, he'll want 250 euro worth of the voucher, you know. Yeah, we give him the 50, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you gave him a 50. I did, I gave him a lot of 50s And he gave Peggy a 50 <laughs> Well, that was the Rocky Parish time You can chalk it down, kid Look after yourself, Bobby Thanks, Nick All the best, take Thanks care, so take Stop care it. And a fast shout-out then to another regular to the show Frick, down Passage West He says, please give a quick shout-out to my niece Angela Murphy And Chris Kirby Getting married today at half-past two in Passage West And Frick is going Don't know if you'll be doing any of the speech of fine But enjoy the day Good wedding on a Wednesday, why not? Our lines will stay open on 0818104106. Pick up the phone, get in touch. You can text 0868104106 and email your stories or your comments indeed or anything you might have to share to neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.